Hello and welcome into the Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of Big Ten Network, and today's guests are Olivia Decker, sports reporter uh, for Big Ten Network and ESPN, and Harold Shelton, Big Ten Network Manager of Research. Let's get into it. Take a look, listen, and enjoy. Look at here, look at here. With the catch, the finish! Oh! All right, we'll get to our first guest, Olivia Decker, in just a moment. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Northwestern University's School of Professional Studies. If you ever thought about a career in sports, check out the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. You can build your skill set and your network in evening or online classes. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu slash sports. Really good opportunity there for anyone who's looking to get into the industry Work at a place like Big Ten Network. Check out the App Masters program. Shout out, as always, to Northwestern SPS uh, for sponsoring the show. All right, real quick, uh, quick intro to Olivia Decker. Uh, the name is likely familiar if you follow Big Ten sports and follow Big Ten basketball. Her husband is Sam Decker, uh, who played for Wisconsin, led in the back-to-back Final Fours. But uh, Olivia is a big name in sports as well. She is a reporter for Big Ten Network. It can be seen on ESPN, Southern Reporting as well. She's all over the place um, on social media and is a well-known reporter and, and person in the sports media industry. So we talk about her background, getting into her career, getting into some funny stories about her husband, Sam, uh, some memorable moments from both their careers, and uh, talking a little bit about her dad as well, uh, Kevin Harlan, who is also a well-known broadcaster for NBA on TNT, CBS, Westwood One. Uh, so huge sports family, and Olivia Decker is right at the center of it, and we uh, talk a lot of different sports angles in the next 45 minutes, so I think you'll enjoy it. And let's get to it. It is a Take 10 Podcast discussion with Olivia Decker. All right, I'm very pleased to be joined by someone who has worked for a wide range of places as a reporter and a host, uh, still relatively early in her career, including Fox Sports, ESPN. With us at Big Ten Network, it's Olivia Decker. Olivia, how are you? I'm good, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. Um, You know, it was a couple months ago now that we last worked together in person at the Big Ten Mm -hmm. Tournament, you know, masked up. Uh, testing for COVID between games. So I think we've come oh, yeah. a long way, you know, since since that and yeah. the world is looking up and sports are looking up. It looks like everything's coming back. So how is life treating you right now? And, and how are you spending your time in kind of this off season? Really good. Um, my off season right now actually just began yesterday because I do host a podcast for BetMGM and we do that weekly. And last week was our 10th and final episode of that deal. And I think they're extending us. So, um, right now I'm kind of on like a tentative vacation and usually summers I have off cause I do football and basketball. Um, so I kind of have a teacher schedule. I always tell people, which is sweet because so does my husband cause he's off in the summers. So right now we are in Kansas city and we're just like up to our eyeballs in house projects, which we're really enjoying, but it is so different, um, to shift gears of like away from work and sports and flights and travel 
And um, now we just kind of get to be homebodies and we are enjoying it so much. Yeah, definitely going to get into some of the lifestyle uh, mm-hmm. coverage you on social media in a little bit here because I know uh, you're really into that. But mm-hmm. also, I like that you use the term uh, like school schedule because yeah. when I, I graduated and got a job at Big Ten Network and nothing really changed as far as like the <laughs> calendar. I still kind of have the summer is much lighter. Um, so totally. I kind of still live in that summer break lifestyle. So just never work in baseball. That's the trick. Exactly. 162 <laughs> and it's, it's yep. April to, to October. So yeah. <laughs> um, glad you brought up your podcast. When I was <clears throat> doing some scouring of your social media profiles, saw your, your hosting one uh, called Unleash, like you referenced. Mm-hmm. Um, and really cool opportunity, it seems like. I mean, talking to CJ McCollum, Chad Ochocinco, Ochocinco Adam Lefko, and then uh, I just saw today, Richard Jefferson. So yeah. Take me through that experience, kind of maybe take me through some of the highlights and cooler people you've got to talk to and, and just the entire project overall. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the great thing about this business. And this is why you have an agent, because they'll handle all this stuff. And I don't know what comes across this desk that he decides is not for me or what is for me. Probably better. I don't know. But this one took me by surprise because I was like, man, I don't know. I've never hosted a podcast. I've been guests on podcasts like this. Um, you know, what kind of guests are we going to get? Is it, you know, worth my precious off season that I'm like holding on to so tightly. And what kind of sold it for me is I was going over to be with Sam in Turkey and my agent said, you know, you can do this from Turkey. I thought, okay, done deal. That sounds really cool. This again, I'm not working games after the big 10 tournament was my last assignment. And I thought this is perfect. So it's been a lot of fun and our guests have been amazing just finishing last week or I guess this week with Richard Jefferson who was maybe my favorite Chad Ochocinco was so much personality it was like almost hard to interview him because you just have to stay out of his way and you know more guests you have to like keep pulling keep pulling and um so I don't know Chad Ochocinco was probably the like best listen because it was just like what is he talking about And, uh, but then this past week, Richard Jefferson had great insight on upcoming NBA playoffs. Um, we also had a little back and forth with, you know, he lost to Duke in the national championship in 2001 and Sam and the Wisconsin Badgers lost to Duke in the national championship in 2015. So I kind of had some fun with him on that one. I said, boy, you must hate Duke fans as much as we do. Like we go, we go to the airport, we go to a restaurant and Duke fans come up to Sam and heckle him. And he said, well, I think I'm too old for that. But he said, you know, I don't think you're off the hook. I hate Wisconsin fans too, because they've prevented us from getting to the final four the last two times. So we had some fun with that. Um, he's just an, a really impressive, affable guy. And it's been, a, it's been a new challenge for me. It's been a lot of fun for me. And I'm just so glad it kind of fell in my lap at this time when work had slowed down. And it's, it's been a really cool opportunity. Yeah, that's you kind of encapsulated what I love about it is getting to know people you might otherwise not be able to talk to and just yeah. opening up those doors. So uh, definitely an awesome opportunity. It sounds like it's uh, going to move forward. So that's great. Um, <clears throat> sounds like as well that you're in a, a good spot in your career. You know, you're starting your, your life. You mentioned your husband, Sam Decker, who uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you should know very well uh, <laughs> his game played at Wisconsin. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, you also might know Olivia's father, Kevin, uh, Kevin Harlan, who's a very accomplished broadcaster. And so I want you to kind of take us through, if you could, the path to this current spot in your career. Um, you know, growing up, I'm sure around plenty of high profile sporting events, growing up around the industry, 
your grandfather was the chairman of the Packers as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, even though you had the exposure to it, like I, I know people can't assume that you just walked right in. Tell me about the hard work, <laughs> the steps that it took to yeah. get to this point in your career where it seems like you're thriving. That's a great question. And thank, thank you for saying that. That's a great question. And I get this question the most. In fact, I feel like a couple times a day, I'm responding to Instagram DMs or emails from kids trying to get in the business. And it's such a double-edged sword. And my dad and I talk a lot about this because, you know, it's really hard and um, disconcerting when you get an email or a DM or a message from someone says, hey, I'm about to graduate college, you know, next month. And I'm really wanting to get into broadcasting. What's your advice? And I'm like, great, just send me your reel. I'll take a look and blah, blah. And when they don't have a reel, I'm like, what have you been doing in college? And even before that, what were you doing in high school? And I hate to sound like doomsday police, but, and it's not that it's, you know, all is lost, but I, I just feel like so many people, men and women want to get in this industry and, you know, they love the idea of working in sports and being at games and how glamorous everyone thinks it's glamorous. You know, it's not, I know it's not. They all think it's this like fascinating, glamorous thing. And then you have to kind of say, you know, well, what are you doing to get there? And like, I started doing on-air stuff in high school. Um, I grew up in Kansas city. That's where we live now. I started going to a local news station, didn't get paid, didn't get credits. I feel like kids now want payment or credit hours or something. And I was just like hoping they'd let me ride in like the news van to some scene to do a shoot and get to watch them do it. And all you, all you've got to do is ask, you know, Hey, after you do your standup, could I do a practice standup? Like same information, just, just to try it. And that's what I started doing. So after school, I'd drive to the news station and go out with their news reporter and help her, you know, whatever she needed. And then also do a rep after she'd finished. And usually, you know, she'd kind of watch and say, you know, like relax your shoulders a little bit or get more comfortable or, you know, whatever it was. And that was invaluable. And then I go to college at university of Georgia. And the reason I picked Georgia was because their athletic department basically had an opening more or less. It was, you know, very unofficial again, got nothing out of it. And they basically said, you can start hanging around and we have this whole video department and, you know, see what you like. And I just started going like every day to football practice with our video crew. And I started asking, could I shoot a stand up? Could I do like a practice report? And they didn't have anything like that. And they were like, sure, why not? And then I think I got better and better. And they said, we can put this up on the website, like the school's, the university's website. So that to me was huge. And then I learned how to shoot that and edit that. And then I was going to football practice by myself, shooting a daily practice report, which was incredible shooting, editing, putting it up on the website for truly millions of eyeballs, like across the world, people who follow university of Georgia athletics, don't ask me why someone across the world would care, but they do. And that was amazing. And any kid at a university, I always say, find your video department. Like if if you're good, they're not going to turn you down. And if you're not good, you'll get good. Try it. Like ask for reps that go nowhere. Ask for reps, even when the camera is not recording, you know, and And then better yet, press record on the camera, keep a little file to yourself on some hard drive and watch your reps back and see where you're not so good. See where you lose cadence, see where your voice weakens. Um, It's pretty simple. And then, so kind of my first two pieces of advice there are the high school aspect, literally driving to a local news station and just asking if you can like jump in the car and go with them. And then two in high school, find your video department. And then three, 
internet a radio station because my dad is so big on voice like still to this day like I'll I'll send him an interview I'll do with a coach at halftime and I'll say what do you think of this basically asking for him to dissect my questions couldn't care less what my questions are and he says love your voice love your pacing love your command and authority I'm like great how about the question because that's what everyone else is listening to and he's like yeah yeah your questions are always good but you know, it's, it, it's that kind of background that I had growing up in my house of someone who just so created this art form, right? Like he, he treats this not like, oh, you're a journalist, you know, he treats it more like, no, you're kind of a performer and he's all about voice control. So he really suggested again, when I was in high school and then again in college at this tiny radio station in Door County, Wisconsin, where we spent summers, um, it was like a, like a little house that they converted into a radio station. And I asked the guy, can I start doing anything on air? And he said, no, which was probably normal and what most people are going to say. And he said, but you can sell ads for me. I was like, oh, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to do marketing. I want to be on air. He said, well, try selling ads. And if you sell any, you can do the voiceover of them. I thought, okay, so, you know, I'm calling local pizza parlors and local movie theaters and whatever, trying to sell ads. And if I got any, I could do, I could write the copy, I could read it and then hear my voice on radio and that was great experience and just something so different. Um, so there's just, there's, there's no excuse. And I, I just feel disheartened, I guess is the word I was looking for earlier when someone comes to me and they haven't done any of the legwork and they just want to be on camera. And then I also always say, when people say that, even if they have some experience, I say, make sure you're really well-versed in the industry, top to bottom, you know, learn how to produce, edit, shoot, write. You got, I don't care what you do in this industry. You have to know how to write. Um, and so I always say a lot of people start wanting to go on air, realize it's for the dogs and it's not that peachy of a job. And they realize it's actually a way better, you know, gig to be a writer, producer, editor. So, um, long answer to your question, but I just, I'm so adamant about people finding opportunities and learning how to do start to finish. And hopefully you find what you're really good at in that realm. Yeah, it's great advice. And your point about getting started early is well taken because three of the guests I've had on this show, including two of the recent ones, yourself, Jenny Taft, and then yeah. Rooks, who's my good friend. And yeah. I know she was really at your, awesome. your wedding as well. Yeah, uh, She helped me get my foot in the door at, at BTN actually. Oh, and, that's great. I didn't know that. Yeah, so all you guys, um, had experience in college, I believe all working for like the Fox sports kind of college program. Um, so you were covering Georgia at a high level. I feel like just that experience is invaluable. Yeah. Mine was actually owned by IMG. It was truly like the in-house video. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, it, it, the only place it aired was on like our video board or scoreboard at games, which would be really cool. And, um, at like on georgiadogs.com, our official athletic website, but it, it was so invaluable to me and really led to my first job because the people in Atlanta who were running Fox Sports South, who cover the Hawks um, at the time, SEC football, because it was like a year or two right before SEC Network. And they saw me on the, the Georgia website. And that's how I got that first job. They brought me into Atlanta for an interview. Right. So I skipped ahead a little bit, but uh, <laughs> working, at, working at Fox, I believe you covered the Hawks, right? So you got to take yeah. that, uh, that coverage to the next level and get some pro experience. Mm -hmm. That was incredible. And, and such a weird, um, weird story. And I almost, I hate telling prospective students this story because it's like, oh boy, that sounds easy. And nothing was easy about it, but the timing could not have been more perfect. I very much feel like I was in the right, right place, right time. 
they brought me in for an interview. I was graduating a semester early. So it's December, 2014 was going to be my graduation. And they brought me in, in September for an interview and we're sitting down and we're talking all about the Hawks. And I had studied up. I knew this job was probably for the Hawks. I honestly didn't think it was for an on-air role. I thought it was for like, do you want to be a production assistant? Do you want to something? And I came in and, and really, really prepped because I knew it'd be SEC football and Atlanta Hawks. And when I'm, I'm walking out and they're saying, great, you know, you're, you're the best candidate we've got. We're really excited about you. We love your work. Um, could you do a football game as soon as like next weekend, we have one at South Carolina, like a, a real sec football, like not a marquee matchup against South Carolina central or something. It was, I forget who they played, but it was an sec opponent on TV. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. Like, you know, I've got class on Friday, but what time do I have to be there? And they were like, Oh, we thought you had already graduated and not never once asked for a resume, nothing. And that's another thing. I always tell kids, don't stress about your grades. If you want to go in on air, no one has ever once asked me for a resume or to see my GPA or nothing. They, they care about your real, you know? Yeah. And, um, but that was, that was really lucky. So I was finishing school and working in Atlanta, driving the hour and a half back and forth between Athens and Atlanta. And, um, probably the hardest I've ever worked in a semester truly almost was just like, I don't need to graduate, whatever, like, or I'll go back one day and do it. And my mom kept saying, you're never going to go back. Just finish, get seized. I don't care, but just finish. And, um, truly by the skin of my teeth, I don't know how I graduated that year. Cause I was working my tail off in Atlanta, but, uh, it was, it was incredible and an amazing chapter, like could not have worked out better. Yeah. That's hilarious. And about the, the grades, <laughs> the grades aspect as well, because yeah. I, uh, I majored in, a not in media, but in something else that allowed me to kind of have that extra time to work in media. Okay. Um, so I was able to not, you know, really focus as hard on the schoolwork and like get the basketball games and, and yeah. you know, what do you major in? So I majored in sport management, which okay, yeah. decent. It had some redeeming qualities, but uh, it definitely had a lighter workload than probably a journalism school did. And it allowed yeah. me kind of that real world experience. Yeah. So uh, when people are, people are kind of surprised sometimes when I tell them I wasn't yeah. a student, but <laughs> anyway, um, you mentioned covering SEC football, uh, obviously going to an SEC school. What about your Big Ten memories? Obviously, you're very entrenched in Big Ten culture now. Uh, you know, husband is all about it. Yeah. Um, you're, you're at BTN. You've covered plenty of games for ESPN. So what is a game that sticks out in your career that you've worked or covered or even attended that is memorable for one reason or another? Can I give you three? Please, yeah. Three. Okay. The more, the better. Okay. And I've been thinking about this because you texted me a couple of days ago that I needed to have something ready and I couldn't narrow it down. So these are my three. The first one was my second year with ESPN and I had Minnesota at Wisconsin. And I was so excited, you know, growing up, knowing so much about this rivalry and uh, first game in Madison, I was thrilled. Not first Wisconsin game, but first game at Madison and uh, Minnesota upsets. And it was huge. And I forget the score details and whatnot, but, you know, going to chop down the goalpost and all that, it was so exciting. It was so freezing. It was that Thanksgiving weekend game, obviously. And um, that to me was one of the biggest, like, times I've enjoyed a game that I was working. You know, usually you're just so, it can be the craziest, coolest game ever, but you're so wired in and you are so working. I got to, like, almost remove myself as a fan a little bit. Um, and that was just beyond cool. So I had a blast with that. The second one is also Wisconsin football. Oh, and another tie to that. My uncle is PJ flex agent. Oh. And so I've, I've covered PJ at Western Michigan. 
um, known him for a while. My uncle was like in his wedding or something a couple of years ago. They're really, really good friends. And so as much as I love Wisconsin and Wisconsin football, I was so excited for PJ. It was his first year at Minnesota. It was just really, really exciting. Um, and then my second one would be my first game still with ESPN. My first game after I was married and had changed my name was at Wisconsin, which they swear was not on purpose, but it was really special. And not only that, so Sam was with the Clippers at the time, or maybe the Cavs. I think he was with the Cavs at the time. We had just gotten married and, um, he got a sneak away for like that week one game, you know, it's still so early. He could never, you know, go to my mid season games. Cause I was during training camp or preseason and he was able to go to this one and they wanted to make a big deal. It was his first game back since he even, you know, left or was in the NBA. And they said, you know, we want to introduce you on the field, blah, blah. And he kind of mentioned, he's like, yeah, you know, my wife's also working the game. And they were like, great, even better. (laughs) So they had us like on the jumbotron, they're introducing him. I'm standing there, like about to do my first open hit, like right after kickoff and they're introducing him. And he's like 10 feet behind me. And it was just so surreal. So bizarre. His whole family went. And again, just really cool. The first time I went by Olivia Decker on air and it was at Wisconsin and he was at the game. So that was a really cool moment for our family. Um, And then my third is basketball. And it was just one of the coolest games I've done ever in any sport. And it was at the Palestra, Iowa, Penn State. What was that? Two years ago? Not this past season, but the season before. And Penn State wins. It was like 90 something percent humidity in there. Like players were just slipping around. It was so hot. There's no air conditioning. Um, It was just an absolute blast. Everything about that game felt like an AAU game, but just the competition was so high. The athleticism was so high. Um, It was just a constant volley back and forth. And when the, when the elements were that tough, you could just see the players were like just dying, but giving it their all Penn state one. It was an amazing game. Um, those are my, those are my three top big 10 games I've worked. Sounds awesome. Yeah. I am kicking myself for not going to that Plester game. I remember it, I think oh. it 2019, like you said, um, so I cool. think they're going to go back at some point. So I'm, I'm excited to I hope so. another chance. Hopefully we both can work that. Um, yeah. so good choices there. You mentioned okay. Sam and a Wisconsin game. Um, from what I was able to stitch together just by like looking at, uh, you know, articles about you guys, you guys didn't know each other in college, right? No, no. Did you know <laughs> of each other? Did you know of him? I'm, you know, he was a big time basketball player. You were doing your thing. Uh, what, where's the kind of origin story here? Oh, that's a great question. I, once we like met and started talking and dating, I was like, yeah, no, I remember you like, and this is what everyone says. Like still, if we go places or something, they're like, yeah, I was like you and that Kaminsky kid. Right. It was, so it's like, I think that was my recall. I was like, yeah, you and Frank Kaminsky, which he's probably like, yeah, but it was like me too. <laughs> but he, uh, his version of the story is that he was watching sports center one day with his buddy. He was second year with the Rockets and his roommate, who's also from Wisconsin and they're sitting around uh, watching Sports Center on like middle of a Friday. Like it was a slow day and it was week z- before week one in college football. And I remember this so well because it's the year we met and I was doing a um, high school football game. ESPN always does that like big Friday night um, before week one of college football. And so it was my first high school assignment ever. And they said they were sending me to the school in Georgia because this kid was about to commit. And so they had me do his whole commitment thing. And, um, so that was, that was really, really good. So for me, it was just kind of a cool assignment. 
But again, the commitment announcement was on Sports Center at like a really slow time of day. I just didn't think a lot of people were watching. And Sam says he was happened to have the TV on ESPN at that time and said to his roommate, he said he sat up and goes, I know her. I know her. Where do I know her? And his roommate's like, you don't know her. No, no, you don't know her. He's like, no, no. Where do I know her? And looks me up and he goes, yeah, she has some connection to the Packers. I know this girl. Like, why do I know this girl? And then it turns out we have a mutual friend and he kind of reached out to her. She gave him my number. We started talking. I ghosted him for a long time. Cause I thought, uh-uh, I'm not dating an athlete. Like rule number one, like earliest thing my dad ever taught me don't date an athlete. Um, and so I broke all the rules, everything I'd been taught because as we kind of kept talking, I realized he was pretty special. Um, just really, really humble, normal, um, which normal sounds like it's an insult. I think normal to a professional athlete, that's like as good a compliment as you can give. Um, he's just so salt of the earth, so kind. Um, and we had a really, really quick courtship. We dated eight months before he proposed. And when I say dated, we like knew each other eight months before he proposed. Um, so it's, it's, uh, really, really quick. And I always say just best year of my life, although it was the most stressful year of my life, because I was still living in Atlanta, working a full Atlanta Hawks schedule with Fox Sports South, a full college football schedule with ESPN and trying to go see my new boyfriend in Houston a lot. So I was like constantly at a game or on a plane, but it was, it was very worth it. So those are some uh, elite creeping skills from Sam. You know, <laughs> yes, a very, very found elite. IG, yeah. Found the mutual friend no. textbook, textbook. Um, yep. That's a great story though. Uh, so you guys didn't know each other, but uh, you know, I'm sure there's some reminiscing of, the Wisconsin basketball days, the glory days, back-to-back uh, -back Final Fours for Sam. Uh, I was on with him early in COVID a year ago on Zoom, and uh, he had some great stories. So do you guys ever uh, re-watch his old highlights? Are there favorites in the household? Um, what, are, what are some of the, the plays that, you know, he sits around talking about uh, when he looks back in college? Well, I will tell you, and he'll probably be embarrassed I say this, but when he's been overseas and things get really slow – I'll kind of catch them watching old college highlights, which is awesome because, and I've said this to so many other athletes I've interviewed in retrospect, those college years mean so much more than you're ever going to know. Like it's the most fun you're ever going to have playing your sport. Everyone says that football, basketball, everything. It's the most you're going to like your teammates, which sounds kind of sad, but it's just true. Cause think of it when you're in college, you know, no one's making money. That's about to change. No one's making money you're all going to the dining hall together. You know, you're all riding together to the movies. You're all, you know, going dating, dating girls who are friends. Like you guys are going on double dates. Like everything's really insular. And you're, you know, you're, you're roommates a lot of the time, like Sam lived with half of the starting five. Um, I just think once you get to the NBA, you think it's going to be so amazing and glamorous and the money and all this. And it's just not, it's just, it's a job. And there's a reason you're getting paid because it's, really, really tough and uh, really tough on you mentally. All of a sudden, all those like buddies that you had that also happened to be teammates, they're not there. Um, you know, now you're just with a bunch of other professionals who are also looking out for number one, trying to provide for their families. And, you know, at any points, one of y'all are getting traded. So the, the like uh, fraternity of it goes away from college. Um, but I will tell you one that we watch a lot, one that I get tagged in a lot. And so does he is ironically a game that my dad worked of Sam's. It was, I think the sweet 16 against Arizona. And uh, my dad and Reggie Miller were working a game again, Sam and I do not know each other. This is a couple of years before we ever met, 
but my dad had a bunch of Wisconsin games for uh, CBS and always said, you know, and he says this in retrospect, I don't know if this is true. I think he just says it to be nice, but he always says, boy, that Decker kid was sure a nice kid. Like I, I always enjoyed talking to him first class. And I think he just kind of made that up, (laughs) but, but, uh, so he had this, this game and before the game, you know, they were kind of giving him a hard time. Like, boy, Bo's giving you the green light. You can shoot whatever you want. Like that, that hasn't always been the case, huh? And, and Sam kind of laughed. He said, no, tonight you just wait. Like I'm going to be draining him. You just wait. And so he scored what was like the dagger. My dad has this famous call and he goes, dagger done Decker with the dagger. And he looks over and he winks at my dad and Reggie. And that's now a gif. And it's still like, if you type in Sam Decker and sometimes he'll randomly say like, Hey, like just finishing this, want me to pick you up and we'll go to Chipotle and I'll just send him the wink of him. Um, but it's so funny. That's like become such a thing. And it's so bizarre thinking that was his future father-in-law and no one knew the backstory of that's why he was winking. Cause they kind of had this thing. And Sam was like, no, you just wait, I'm going to drain him tonight. Um, so just kind of a funny story, but I think that moment of Wisconsin basketball is, is a special one to us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely hope you brought that up to Richard Jefferson in your kind of <laughs> I did not. I did not. I was going to say, yeah, he might have been uh, unhappy with that. And yeah. and another uh, thing to unpack there, you mentioned just like the, the pure nature of college basketball. Uh, Jared Solinger, who I talked to like a month or two ago, said the exact same thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, similar career in the NBA uh, lengthwise to Sam. And he yeah. just said, um, yeah, like college basketball was the last time he like truly had fun playing. So, yeah. Uh, you know, what's funny though, is, is Sam was kind of saying that this past year, he just got back late last night from Turkey. Um, and they had a, they had a really good team and their whole starting five was American. Um, two other guys were teammates of his at the Houston Rockets. Um, he knew three others back from AAU when they were like 12, 13. Um, so that was almost as close as he's gotten to that. And you're so far away. It's COVID, you know, it's, it, all the bells and whistles are removed and it's just you and, you know, you can't go to restaurants, even in Turkey restaurants were closed even this past month. So they're like cooking for each other, hanging out, going to each other's apartments. And, um, so I feel like this past year as a professional is almost as close as he got to that. And he kind of said as much when he was coming home, he's like this, I'm, I'm sad to leave this group. This, this was a really special group. Yeah. I know you were out there. Uh, looked like a great time. So you posting some, mm. some pictures, videos and all that. Uh, so Turkey, you know, that, that is not the worst place to end up if you're overseas playing, playing hoops. No, no. And, and we've kind of said that, and I don't know what his future holds. Um, he's obviously hoping to get back in the NBA. He's very capable of getting back in the NBA. He had a great season and now it's kind of all up to his agent. And he always says, you know, you don't need, you don't need 30 GMs to like you, you need one. So he's always just kind of waiting for that right fit. Uh, I know selfishly, I'd love to both live in the same country, but I think we're going to, you know, I, th- I think we are really embracing this chapter last year, Russia, this year, Turkey. Um, and we, we sure have had a lot of fun kind of seeing different parts of the world. We never would otherwise. And I think we both feel really positive about what's coming up. For sure. And you mentioned your dad and, uh, his, his now, uh, legendary call and <laughs> he's got plenty of those in his career, uh, yeah. you know, iconic voice, obviously. So, yeah. uh, not sure if he's going to make this list in, in the next question, but I did ask you to come up with, uh, maybe three announcers or broadcasters or just people in the industry who you admire or look up to uh, as someone who, like I said at the top, still relatively early in uh, in your career. Yeah. Well, um, I for my first, I've got to say Tracy Wolfson with CBS. She 
was doing the SEC package on CBS at the time with Fern Lundquist. That was like, I thought such an iconic dream job. And so when I was in college, she would come to Georgia. I swear all the time she had a game at Georgia or at LSU or at Alabama. Those are, were always the best game of the week. And since my dad was doing CBS as well on the NFL side, he hit up Tracy and said, do you mind if my daughter shadows you? So I got to shadow her and she's so like by the book regimented kind of buttoned up, which is the perfect person to learn from. And I'm so glad that's who I got to watch do it. Um, and just the ins and outs sideline reporting, there's such an art to it. There's so many random things that like, can't be taught in a classroom of like what to look for, what to listen for, what to do the week of who to call, um, random ways to get nuggets of information that really you have to be like scrappy and overly curious and nosy and kind of ask for forgiveness, not permission. And I hope our bosses at BTN aren't listening to this, but <laughs> it's a, it, you just have to be so scrappy. And I, I learned that from her is just how to get your own info, original info. Um, and it's so easy to read articles and regurgitate it, but you know, she really taught me of how to really be a, a reporter, you know, there's such a difference with a journalist and a reporter and being a reporter is, I keep using this word, but scrappy work. So I got to learn from her. So I have to shout her out. Um, and then the next Lisa Byington, who I've gotten to work with at BTN, um, have just looked up to for a while. And I, I, I want to keep this to all women as well, because there's so many options. Like, I don't know if 10, 15, 20 years ago, I could have come up with three viable options. You know, of course there were women, women in sports, but now like breaking barriers, like Lisa being the first play-by-play -play female announcer in March Madness. Like how did that just happen in 2021? That's wild. Right. Um, so I've got to go with her. And then my next one is um, kind of surprising. I think just from a, a standpoint of less to do with her sports coverage or like what she's like as a professional, more what she's like as a person is Samantha Ponder. When I was at ESPN, I was, I was kind of having a hard time with something and I was in New York for something else. She lives in New York and, um, we met for coffee and we'd always just message texted, but never met in person. That's the thing. Like, you know, if I didn't come into Chicago much and I, I don't, unless when I'm hosting or anything, you would never know other people who work at BTN. Right. So it's like same thing at any other network, you don't run into each other. And, um, so it was really special and we just sat and like, she let me just pick her brain and she gave me a ton of advice, like kind of about the ins and outs, even of the company and the industry and of people. Um, and I, I just, I think that really stuck with me because she absolutely did not have to do that. And the way that she saw a lot of herself in me and really like wanted to look out for me and, and take me under her wing. I just thought was really special, like very big sisterly and, I, I just really hope I have the opportunity to do that with someone else one day. Yeah. Awesome. Talented list. Uh, snubbed yeah. your dad. So <laughs> I think he'll, he'll be cool with it. Yikes. Ouch. Sorry, dad. He knows nah. I've, I've talked ad nauseum about my dad. I have done so much with that and that's obviously my number one, but also to me, I, I see him just so much unless someone brings it up or asks like, my dad's an amazing broadcaster, one national broadcaster of the year, two times in a row he's tenfold a better dad. And I don't mean that to be cheesy, but he is like, there should be awards for best dad. He just is like the most hands-on great memory cares, thoughtful, like helps you with absolutely anything. Um, and he has three daughters and that has completely softened him. He's such a girl dad. Um, and I mean, we, my sisters and I laugh, like if there was a 
high school heartbreak or something, we'd be just as willing to go to dad and talk about it and cry about it than our mom. So, you know, we're lucky with very, very amazing parents that we're all close to almost too close to, because now we all live in Kansas city, which was not the case a couple of years ago. And I swear, I see my parents and my sisters six nights a week. So yeah, we're, we're all like kind of on top of each other right now. Goodness, right in the fields, Olivia. And, and uh, <laughs> before we go, I have one uh, non-sports question. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, you're active on social media. I saw you, you recently shared on Instagram. No, I'm not active on social media. You're lying. Come on now. <laughs> uh, you shared a mashup, you know, that kind of encapsulates, I think, your overall activity on social media and just your overall engagement. Um, kind of the style is popular now, right? Changing your clothes and vibe to imitate uh, <laughs> each social platform, whether it was Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. Did you think that was funny? I did. So your comedic okay. side was more on display, you know, as opposed to the uh, sideline reporter style. Um, even though, you know, it's not to say you don't have any personality on there too, cause you do, but yeah. this was, uh, kind of a side to, you know, get some chuckles <laughs> and, uh, you, so you're on TikTok clearly have a YouTube channel, TikTok. right? So you're all over the place. Um, yeah. very versatile. Uh, are you planning on, you know, just continuing this and becoming more of a, an influencer in all these spaces? What, what's the outlook for your social media game, your lifestyle brand, all this? That, that's a great question. And one I've not gotten, um, you know, it's funny, like three years ago or so Sam and I were going on a trip. It was right after his season ended, we were going to Palm Springs and I like had just gotten this new stuff and like for the trip, like let's say a dress and a hat or whatever. And Sam's like, boy, that, that looks so nice. Like, boy, that looks like a big price tag. How much was that? And I was like, no, I got this on Amazon for like 12 99. And he's like, what? Like you should tell people about this. And that's how it started. So I was like, I really do feel like I have a nose for a bargain. I feel like I'm, I've kind of got like a savvy for that. So I started and I said, well, I'm going to keep it all separate from my sports stuff. Cause I don't want to lose credibility. If I'm posting, you know, one day an interview with so-and-so, and then I'm, I'm posting how to get a, you know, a great moisturizer this day, like those don't fit in different audience. So I started a separate Instagram live everywhere and it's just clothes home travel. It's now become more of a travel page. Um, and that has been so much fun for me. And I'm way more active on that one. Cause that's like who I am at home or like, you know, a makeup tutorial, uh, as I'm sure you've watched all those. And then it's just trying to get everything together, um, with the house it has been really fun. Um, and then that has led into a YouTube channel, which now I'm doing like longer length travel videos. And then also then the TikTok, which I've, I've always said, the second I do a dance on TikTok, like just cancel my TikTok. I'm not here to do that, but I do like sharing shorter travel videos or how to's or something funny. So I don't know. It's in the off season. It's like, why not? I've got all this time in football season. It's really hard to keep up with. Um, so I don't, you know, it's so secondary. Um, I wouldn't call myself a legit influencer, but that being said, other companies are now coming to me for deals just on my like live everywhere page, which is not verified, does not have as many followers as my main page on Instagram. So I don't know. It's kind of all an experiment. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. I don't take myself too seriously as you noticed on that. Um, it's way more my personality where I do like respect the following on my main Instagram page, much more male, much more there for sports coverage. And I do want to, um, be true to that. So I'm so glad I did the separate Instagrams. And then the TikTok is just absolute nonsense. And then the YouTube uh, is fun. YouTube's a hard medium though. It takes a lot of work to edit and shoot these videos. 
and I do it all myself. Um, so it's just, it's a lot, but it's fun. And then brands I have learned if you're, if anyone listening is interested in the space, brands are very interested in different mediums. So I just like did a big deal with Nebraska furniture mart, this furniture depot here. And they're like, we, we need three TikToks for this two Instagram posts, 10 Instagram stories, and one YouTube. I'm like, Oh, is that all? Sure. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, no. So it's now become like a little side hustle to answer your question. Just just taking over the game, cornering all the markets. (laughs) Uh, Olivia, I I can't let you go without asking because your grandfather, Bob Harlan, was the Packers chairman. Yeah. Called a uh, Packers game with your dad for Westwood One. Got to have a Packers question in here, even though I'm a big Bears fan and, you know, the Packers reign of terror coming to an end. I hate to, hate no, to no, Justin no. Fields uh, taking over in the NFC North, but no, I love good, that. Good, I think, good. I think fields to the bears is awesome. I was sad to see it, but I, I think it's awesome. Good fit. Yeah. So, you know, related to that, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers? That's my question. Oh, well, <laughs> did you see what Ron Wolf said the other day, the former Packers GM? I did not. He said, I can't believe this is what the NFL has become. You know, he's, and that's who drafted Aaron. So it's, it, it has gotten nasty. Um, so, or wait, did Ted Thompson draft Aaron? I think it would be Ron Wolf. Um, yeah. Well, now I'm not so sure that I'm saying it out loud. It might've been Ted Thompson. Um, no, I've, I've asked my grandpa his thoughts on it. And he's kind of like, yeah, boy, I don't know. Cause he was there when they brought in Aaron, you know, so lowly drafted obviously. And um, he, like, he has a funny story. They were doing that like Packer tailgate thing where it's like a week and you go to different towns in Wisconsin and you, you do like a meet and greet. And they would always pick a couple of rookies, um, usually not a huge name. And again, Aaron Rodgers was not. And my, my grandfather was on the, he's extremely professional and he's on the bus, like waiting for some of these rookies to jump on. And um, he's, he's there really early reading his paper. And all of a sudden a car pulls up next to the, next to the bus and Aaron and a young lady get out of the car and she was just dropping him off. You know, I'm sure she just picked him up that morning and, and he's, uh, he's like, oh, hi, Mr. Harlan, how are you doing? He's like, yes. Hi, hi, Aaron. How are you? You have a, you have a good night. Everything good. And so that was his first like run with Aaron Rodgers, And, um, but he's always really liked him. And, um, Aaron and Sam used to be good friends. He used to go to all those Wisconsin games. And so I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, he has so many interests outside of football, which is fine. That's great. But there's then nothing keeping him in Green Bay, you know? So my thoughts are, if not this year, the next couple of years, he'll leave. But it sure has gotten contentious. And it's really hard to watch the quotes go back and forth from like LaFleur, Aaron. It's just, you know, teammates of his like subtweeting. It's just, it's getting so awkward. And I just, I hate that it's come to this. Yeah, that was the the pre Olivia Munn, pre Danica Patrick days. Yeah, uh, and Aaron Rodgers is on record. Uh, I always tell people this because I was surprised to hear it. He was on record saying that uh, before he got offered to Cal, he wanted to go to Illinois. Went to Illinois camp. Um, You're lying. Illinois camp, and they didn't offer him a scholarship, <laughs> and so he didn't go there. And as a Illinois, uh, you're lying. Well, I, I, am, there's no way that story is true. I'll send you the link after this. I swear, I swear <laughs> it's true. Um, so I've you never know, heard that. Uh, so he wanted to go to Illinois. It didn't happen. Um, but Aaron Rodgers since then has gone on to become my professional father. He's my dad in every okay. aspect and like owns my Chicago bears, um, <laughs> and rips my, <laughs> that's my soul, you know, every, uh, 
anyway well here uh, i will say for packer fans like we can't act like we didn't get anything you know what i mean like we've we've gotten so lucky going from brett Favre, darren rogers and i don't know if jordan love is the next successor i uh, i highly doubt it but um i i just think you know packer fans can't be beating their chest saying like why don't we get anything because we've had a pretty good run i'll say yeah that can't <laughs> um all right olivia you've been very generous with your time really yeah. appreciate you jumping on it's been awesome to kind of hear your backstory how it's intersected with another uh big big 10 name and, and your family history and all that so i appreciate it excited to work with you going forward and enjoy the off season and uh building out your, your influencer brand <laughs> thanks alex this has been fun all right thanks once again to olivia for joining the show really cool to hear those stories about not only growing up in a sports family but carving her own path in the industry, what it takes to, to break in, what it takes to have success in the industry, and then you know getting into some Big Ten basketball talk as well, hearing some stories and insights to her and her husband, Sam Decker's family life and uh, some of his, <laughs> his memories and experiences as they intersected with hers in the sports world. So a lot of fun. Thanks again to Olivia. And coming up, we have uh, the second part of our really packed episode here, long episode today. Uh, over two hours as we have a lot of good content and the second part is with Harold Shelton as it usually is during uh, now pretty much year round it used to be just during the season but Harold and I have kind of expanded to a year round uh, format where we can talk kind of random off season topics when the live Big Ten basketball and football are not in action and this week we talk about the top games we've attended in person uh, we kept to a Big Ten scope Big Ten audience so these are Big Ten football and basketball games for the most part, but it does go for quite a long time because we kind of get into why those games are memorable to us, uh, why they were significant, and hopefully they're as fun to listen to as they were to, to reflect on, uh, even though there was some sentimental value for some of them for, for both of us. Uh, it does it does go on for a while, uh, just, just reflecting, and, and as sports conversations tend to do, um, they you know unravel and uh, stories unfold, so... Good conversation with Harold coming up, and we'll get to it. It's top Big Ten games we've attended with Harold Shelton. All right, back again with Harold Shelton. Very pleased to be rejoined by Big Ten Network Manager Research. Harold, your background is different today. Uh, looks brighter. You're outside. Uh, what's up? How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, actually, back home in Detroit uh, at my mom's place. Kind of sitting outside on the, the, the patio here, kind of enjoying the, the 82 degrees that we got here in the city. So figured I might as well change it up a bit. Nice. Yeah, definitely. We got the warmth as well, but uh, it's a little soggy here. It's been raining. So hopefully that clears up. Looks nice where you're at. And uh, we just talked about before, no weather issues anticipated. So that's good. No, not at all. Um, it's supposed to be like this the rest of the week, maybe get up to 90 by the weekend. So hopefully uh, that weather will be like that in Chicago when I get back. Right. And, you know, when it's that time of year, it means no Big Ten sports are really going on. Uh, they're wrapping up some of the spring sports right now. Um, springtime, obviously. And, you know, we're, we're searching for conversation topics. We've got a fun one this week. We're going to go through and list some of the best uh, Big Ten sporting events and general sporting events we've attended in person and kind of compare our lists here. Uh, but first, real quick, like we've been doing recently, our guest memories and, and memories you have of uh, the primary guests on the show here. So this week it's uh, Olivia Decker, and obviously she's um, married to Sam Decker, who we are familiar with. So 
Olivia is our coworker uh, during basketball season. And then I'm sure you have some memories of Sam as well. So any, any thoughts on the, the Decker power couple here? Um, so I've only met her once. She came in, I want to say this was 2019. Uh, she was doing studio stuff for the first time and uh, she couldn't have been nicer. I remember how nervous she was kind of going into it because she's normally just, you know, doing a really good job as a sideline reporter or she might do an interview like pregame, postgame, stuff like that. But, you know, it's a little different when you're like hosting a halftime or a postgame show. And so she was just trying to get the rhythm of the cadence now. Uh, but you could tell that, you know, she picked it up pretty well, you know, pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, I think she's done a really good job for us. And, you know, I see nothing but success for her going forward. Yeah, I remember at the Big Ten tournament this year, we had her kind of take us inside the bubble with a GoPro. And she was asking some questions and, and uh, you know, at first seemed like, oh, I don't know if this will be any good. And she gave it back to us. And she's like, you know, this wasn't this wasn't uh, exactly the best. And like, please, hopefully you can do something with it. And then we got it. And it was like flawless. And it was, you know, a perfect vlog style thing that you see on YouTube all the time. And so she just okay. played it um, and it ended up ended up great. So, uh, yeah, fun conversation with her. And then any any Sam Decker memories that jump out to you from his. Uh, his electric days at Wisconsin. So Sam Decker was just a guy who hit a lot of big shots. Um, I remember that 2015 run that they had. He hits the big one against Arizona to, to put that game away to get them to back in the Final Four. And then the Kentucky game, you know, it's tied late, you know, a couple minutes left, steps up, hits a big three there to kind of help Wisconsin pull off that upset, knocking off undefeated Kentucky. So I definitely just remember him uh, being a big shot maker and he was kind of like a, you didn't really see players like him under Bo Ryan for a while. Like, you know, a lot of them were, you know, did, it had a particular style. Uh, you didn't really see an athletic wing under Bo Ryan. Like you saw like athletic point guards or, you know, good fundamental bigs like the Delores and Wilkinsons and, and Frank turned into that, but you didn't really see one uh, on the wing like that. And you know, I think he was a big, big reason why Wisconsin, uh, you know, had some of their best teams ever with him on the court. Yeah, it was fun on a Zoom with them early in the COVID days last year, him and Frank and um, Frost, Gosser and those guys, Showalter, they were all reflecting. It was fun to kind of see inside that, you know, that camaraderie they had and you saw the chemistry work really well <clears throat> with them. So definitely fun team, um, fun to reflect with, with the Deckers for sure. Uh, let's move it along though. Now to the, the topic we talked about at the top um, best games that we attended in person. We kind of broke it up, decided to break it up by top five, big 10 football games, top five, big 10 basketball games, and then just a random assortment, top five miscellaneous games uh, such as the, the life of trying to come up with off-season content, but I think this is going to be a fun one, and we should probably uh, you know, put the disclaimer in there that I feel like this is always said when you talk to someone who works in sports. They're like, oh, I don't even get to watch the games and all that, and while that's sort of true, I think it's more uh, impact in this conversation because a lot of times we're working, you know, trying to watch all of the games instead of just one and, you know, being in the, in the uh, underbelly of the stadium, so we're usually, like, in some sort of studio watching all the games. So if, if our lists are not that impressive, uh, that would be why, because we're trying to have our eyes on seven at once. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. Um, I was kind of racking my brain, 
you know, especially on a miscellaneous one, that was going to be really hard. But um, I, I was a, I was fortunate enough to be able to get to to quite a few uh, memorable games. I, I kind of started at Big Ten at the right time, right when when my guys were were getting it going. So that part wasn't as hard for me. But uh, I'm curious to see what your list is like. Yeah, I think your Big Ten football one is going to be a lot better than mine, um, just because I you know some of mine are based on growing up watching Illinois football, which had a couple of great seasons, but not a whole lot in between. So uh, struggled to, to come up with, with uh, you know, too many memorable games there. But let's start with you and uh, get your number five, top five football game. Uh, so if I was a fan of this team or if I was older, I probably would have put it higher and appreciated it more. Uh, but number five for me involving a Big Ten team is actually – Colorado, Michigan, 1994. Um, that was my first ever college football game. Shout out to my dad for getting tickets for that. Um, for those who are unaware, that is the Cordell Stewart game at the big house. Um, I didn't remember a whole lot. I remember Michigan was winning most of the game. And I remember the stadium going completely silent when uh, Westbrook comes down with the touchdown. And I remember, you know, kind of asking my dad, like, you know, like kind of what happened, like, you know, I'm, I'm nine, 10 years old. I didn't fully grasp everything that was going on. And I, and I vividly remember there was a fan because we were like way up in, in the bleachers and there was a fan next to us. And I mean, he is really upset. Like he's got the megaphone and he's just hammering away at this bleacher, like for a good 15, 20 seconds. And I'm asking my dad, like, Hey, like what's wrong with him? You know, like I'm nine or 10 again. I'm not processing the magnitude of what happened. He's like, oh, he's just really upset that the that Michigan lost. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, we walked away and like, when I look back at it now, I'm like, that was one of the most memorable college football moments of all time. And that was a nice way for me to, to enter the sport, so to speak. I mean, if that's number five, I'm a little worried about what the rest <laughs> is going to be. Like, the top, because I even knew when you said those teams, like, you know, that was the year I was born, but I wasn't. I still know about that game, right? Uh, that's crazy. So if that's number five, um, like I said, I'm a little More concerned personal how, stuff for me and yeah, how it's going to stack up to my list. But my number five is not, you know, a game that's going to be probably remembered by too many people, but it's because it's also kind of sentimental. Like you said, one of the earliest games I remember, and uh, it was a Illinois Purdue game, from 2001. And I picked it not only because it's one of the earlier games that I remember going to, but also just because you don't usually see Illinois and Purdue both rated ranked in the top 25. Uh, Illinois was number or 21. Purdue was number 20. And I didn't get a chance to go back and look at kind of the play-by-play. But if I remember correctly, it was a pretty close game for most of it. Illinois ended up winning 38-13, but I think it was a late push that they had because they had a pick six and some really late, um, you know, just turnovers that, it helped uh, make the score look more lopsided, but we went to West Lafayette for that game. Uh, I remember it being, you know, a really live atmosphere. And I remember when Illinois pulled away, you know, Purdue fans were congratulating me and my family and, and saying good luck the rest of the year. And that was just a fun one to be at, especially being so young. And, and I think Illinois ended up going to the Sugar Bowl that year, which is a, <clears throat> you know, a height they only got to one other time in my lifetime uh, when they went to the Rose Bowl in 07. So, that's number five for me. Not like an all-time memorable game, but kind of a unique matchup that we don't normally see, especially with uh, those programs. Yeah, I want to say I remember that 2001 Purdue team 
I believe that was the team that had like Kyle Orton and they were, I think they started five and oh and got the like fifth in the country. They had like a huge game of Wisconsin, like for game day. And Wisconsin wound up coming back to win and Purdue season just kind of derailed for, for them. And I feel right. like at the same time, Illinois started to take off. Uh, that was a loaded team with Brandon Lloyd and Kurt Kittner and those guys. That was a really, really fun team. Yeah. Uh, it's maybe Christian Morton who got the pick six or fumble or scooping score to, to seal it. But yeah, those great teams. Walter Young was another good receiver who played in the NFL. Um, so yeah, definitely good memories there. All right, what do you got at number four? Uh, number four, I've got the 2015 Big Ten Championship game. Uh, Michigan State, Iowa. Uh, it was weird. That was the one championship game in the non-COVID era since I've been there where I didn't go as an employee. Um, for whatever reason, uh, just that year, we didn't send as many people. And so I said, well, I'm going to go as a fan. We got a chance to get to the playoffs. So I want to be there to see it, you know, either way. Um, most stressful game I've ever been at and watched um, the 22 play drive. Like you didn't realize it. It was that long as it was happening. But it was one of those where they got the ball back and, you know, Seemed like every third down was like, if they don't convert here, they're going to lose kind of thing. And they just kept moving it and moving it. And you're like, okay, this is going to be the final drive of the game. Like, if they don't score, like, they're not going to go to the playoff. And that was the whole thing the whole time. And so when they finally scored and then got the stop at the end, it was just like a huge sigh of relief. It wasn't even like I was excited. It was just a very draining <laughs> experience as a fan because it was – you know, your, your typical, like, Big Ten, smash mouth, three yards, cloud of dust, 16-13. You know, it was it was Michigan State, Iowa. And that's those are the kind of games that happen when both of those teams are good. Yeah, such a great and classic game. I was in college watching that. I think it was my uh, – would have been my senior year, because December 2015. Um, so, yeah, I remember watching that at, at my apartment or my friend's apartment. And, uh, you know, we – at the time – at the time, I was, you know, a casual Big Ten fan, obviously, going to – University of Illinois, like still paid attention, uh, especially the Big Ten championship game, but didn't really have a strong rooting interest. And it was just a captivating game. So definitely remember that. And, you know, if anyone listening is wondering why we're talking about Michigan State and Illinois so much, uh, those are our alma maters. So if anyone unfamiliar, that's that's why these will tilt heavily toward those schools. Uh, my number four is another Illinois win. Um, 2007 mentioned that as one of their uh, BCS years in my lifetime when uh, they beat Brad Bielema's Wisconsin team, uh, Illinois, I think, was unranked at the time. Wisconsin came in at number five when Juice Williams' team was still on the way up in that Rose Bowl year. 2007, as everyone uh, who follows college football closely knows, was a pretty much unprecedented and really wild year, starting with that uh, Appalachian State-Michigan game on Big Ten Network, the first broadcast on BTN. So just a crazy year of upsets, and you had, like, Kansas being great that year, Mizzou, a lot of uh, – uh, I think UC, was it UCF and UConn and all kinds of teams. USF was like number two. USF, uh, yeah, you, yeah. West Virginia was a was a game away from playing for the title. And it, was, it was one of the wildest years that I can ever recall in college football. For sure. Yeah, just insane. So this is another one of those uh, games in that year that was crazy, and it was a a late. Um, it came down to a late finish, if I remember correctly. Still was only you know 13 years old at the time, but. Uh, just a lot of fun. I remember that's when you kind of realized that, that the team was was legit. I think they had beaten Penn State, a uh, ranked Penn State team, the week before or the week after that. Uh, I should have looked it up, but 
those were, I just remember back to back games and it was like, okay, this season could turn into something kind of special uh, and unique. So uh, that was a good one. And now, you know, serendipitous that Brett Bielema is now the head coach at, at Illinois. So just an interesting little wrinkle there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I remember that, that was kind of the game for me where I really discovered Richard Mendenhall. Um, like, you know, I knew about Juice and, you know, I remember the year before I was actually at uh, Michigan State Illinois game where Illinois broke like a long losing streak and like got their first Big Ten win and however long it was. And um, so I remember like they were really young at that point, but, you know, Zook was bringing guys in, like the talent was, the talent level was certainly increasing. Um, you know, they got Aurelius Ben as a freshman in that 07 team. And so everything started to build. And 07, obviously, you know, with Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, you know, knocking all those guys off to go to the Rose Bowl, it all came together. Yeah, I remember uh, that 2006 game as well. And, and that being, like you said, kind of the first arrival, even though the team wasn't very good. And something about the midfield at Michigan State that just caused controversy. I remember Illinois tried to plant their flag. There was a whole press conference issue. And then, you know, we, we know what Devin Bush did 10 years later, 12 years later. So uh, fun times. Oh, yeah, it definitely. Uh, it wasn't fun in the moment, but uh, I definitely remember that at the end. It was the, the John L. Smith era was very interesting. <laughs> All right. What do you got at number three? Uh, number three is going to take me back to a time where I was a student. Uh, it's the 2001 Michigan-Michigan State game. Um, for those who are unfamiliar, um, I believe Michigan was top five in the country at that point. Michigan State was unranked. Uh, but, you know, they had weapons on offense for sure with, with Chef Rogers, TJ Duckett, and Jeff Smoker. Um, and, you know, Duckett had a crazy game. Chef was with Chuck. Uh, but still, Michigan had a lead late. Uh, you know, that's the controversial Spartan Bob game, for those who don't know, where they say that, you know, an extra second was added on the clock. Um, I'm in the student section, and we're all wondering if we're going to, you know, Smoker's going to spike the ball in time. We look up, they got a second left, we're okay. Uh, so, you know, I can remember the entire final play going in slow motion, and Smoker's rolling out to his right, and he throws it all the way across, and... I forget who the defender is, but he jumps up and doesn't get it. And TJ Duck is literally like just standing there by himself and he just catches it like in his chest and game over. And I remember it was complete pandemonium in the student session. Like people are jumping on me. I'm jumping on other people. We wound up like five or six rows lower than where we started. It was just, you know, a complete, a complete mess. And it was, uh, it was a fun way as a student to have, like that was my first Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, rivalry game as a student, and it was the the last one they won uh, in what seven years. So uh, it, was, it was good to get that one at least. Yeah, love the love the student memories. I another reason that you know not that that going to Illinois at the time I did would have resulted in many uh, memorable games, but like I, I didn't get to go to any games as a student. Maybe like a few, but I was working in the athletic department at the time, so we had to like work football Saturdays. Um, I guess I picked, you know, a good time to go because I wasn't really missing out on much and could kind of make some extra money, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, like it, it's a cl the old cliche of like working in sports. Like I talked about at the top where uh, the people who are who work in sports always kind of whine that that either they uh, 
you know, don't get to see or go to a lot of games or enjoy them. The people that say they go and don't enjoy them are the ones that bother me. Cause I'm like, come on, you cannot tell me that. Like I, I always, I'm not that jaded yet where I, I go and I'm like, Oh, this is work. You know, I still, and hopefully I'll never be that person, but I still go and, and really, really enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a student memory on it on my list here, but my number three, um, was right before I was a college student. Cause, uh, growing up down, in Champaign-Urbana, we, we did go to all the games growing up. And uh, number three is 2011 when Illinois was on their path to starting 6-0. and And uh, eventually, I think they got up to number you know, 15 or something in the country. And it looked like Ron Zuck was going to have a, a second wave there and didn't end up panning out. But this is on the way up of that trajectory for the second time when uh, Arizona State came to Illinois. And they had Brock Osweiler, the rocket ship, and Vontez Perfect. Uh, so, you know, a couple of infamous names there in, in NFL lore. But uh, great Arizona State team, or at least uh, on paper it was, and, and they had a lot of hype coming in at the time. And uh, it, actually, it's been on our BTN Classic, like, rewind games a few times, and I rewatched it. It wasn't that great, but uh, upon second watch, but being there, like, just I think the energy, it was a Saturday night game. Um, a lot of Arizona State fans were there tailgating, and it was pretty rowdy. And even being in high school, you kind of, you know, sense – the, the excitement. So just good memories there. And Illinois won late and it was a pretty exciting ending at least, even though the game itself wasn't that great. They won 17, 14. Um, so that's one that I just remember like growing up that uh, that's kind of what the Illinois football experience could be. I think that's what you'd show off to recruits of what you're trying to get back to as far as the atmosphere goes. But uh, that, that was just a lot of fun. So um, I'm sure, you know, you maybe have some memories of, of that season and then the eventual demise of Ron Zook there. Hey, I definitely remember them starting six and zero, and then going six and six. Uh, but they still won the, the bowl game at the end of the year. Uh, but you're you're absolutely right when, when it comes to like the energy. Like that's a lot of stuff that you remember. Um, you know, I definitely remember times for games that that weren't that great. So I didn't put them on the list, but I, I remember like a moment here or there, whether it's a goal line stand and like the whole crowd around you is going crazy, or like a ridiculous touchdown catch and everybody's going crazy, even though the game itself wasn't great. But you remember those those few moments that kind of bring everything back and you can remember the the echo and and remember just how loud the place gets. And that's that's the best thing about sports. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also later that season, you know, it was part of their their six oh and six slide. They lost a, a game against Ohio State where both teams were pretty highly ranked Ohio state always is, but uh, Braxton Miller, I think ran, I think they didn't throw the ball or something like Braxton Miller ran for a couple hundred yards or something. Or uh, I just remember there being uh, some weird stat about no passes attempted. And then Russell Wilson beat them on a late play. And there were a few games where they could have just, they just would have held on. They would have been like eight and four, nine and three, uh, maybe able to salvage the season, but uh, didn't work out that way. Uh, obviously. So interesting season, uh, nonetheless, there. Uh, number two, now my games get a little better as we, we get going, uh, unless Illinois focused. How about you? Are you sticking on the MSU, uh, MSU wagon? Kind of hard not to. I was at both of these, uh, the road, the 14 Rose Bowl, the hundredth edition of the Rose Bowl. Wow. Uh, yeah. So you have, you have a good reason, you know, you got big time games in the last decade plus to talk. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I joined the, I joined the network at the absolute best time, uh, for football. Um, it was kind of the, the start of the three-year run where they finished in the top six every year um, in the first Big Ten, like the first Rose Bowl trip in, you know, quarter century. So 
um, you know, just growing up, just hearing about the Rose Bowl and how great the Rose Bowl is, and, you know, being at the house January 1st, you know, as a Midwest kid, you're always watching the Rose Bowl. And I said, I would never go until Michigan State went. I said, I just, I wasn't going to do it. And so I remember 2011, great Wisconsin-Michigan State game I wasn't at, but great game, heartbreaking finish. They're kind of like, man, I don't know, like, program like Michigan State, are we really going to have another chance like that to get back there? And 2013 happens, and, you know, they get to the Rose Bowl. They wind up winning it. And, and I, I remember, you know, everything about it from, you know, the sun setting over the mountains, the lights come on, it's the fourth quarter, it starts to get real. And it felt like a Big Ten game because it was Stanford and both teams wanted to just be physical. Um, you know, they had the, the rough start, you know, to the game, you know, down 10-0, 17-7. You know, as they did most of the year, the defense just kind of locked it down from there, kind of could made plays. And I just remember, like, everything was green. Like, everybody from the state just went out there for a week. And everywhere you went, it was Michigan State shirts and Michigan State hats and license plates and everything because I think no one's no one wanted to miss it this time so everybody was there and I remember just the the loud roar on the fourth down stop it actually wasn't in the building on that because we were going outside to tape uh, our post game show and so we're watching it on a delay on the TV on the set and I just remember hearing the roar and I'm like I know we have more fans there, so I think this is a good thing, but I'm not really sure. And I see the play, and like, we all go crazy on the set. And say, hey, Big Ten finally got one. So I definitely – that was a memory-making experience for sure. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Uh, I have not been to the Rose Bowl. I plan on going you know, sometime, hopefully soon. Uh, didn't go when, when Illinois made, made it. Uh, 08 would have been the uh, January – first date of that one, but, uh, yeah, hope to, hope to get out there. It kind of sounds like you experienced the, like you said, traditional Midwest, uh, growing up, seeing it on TV kind of path, and then it all kind of, uh, materializes in front of you. So love to love to experience that myself someday, definitely a bucket list type thing. Um, and you know, working at, at big 10 network, we're fortunate, I think to have that opportunity, you know, not only if you're your favorite team, doesn't have a chance to go, but if, if you're, uh, if you have a representative there every year, which, which we will. So looking forward to that, hopefully down the road. Um, my number two is another, you know, every year type of deal. And I did not get to go to the 2016 big 10 championship or else that probably would have been, uh, my placeholder here, which was the Wisconsin Penn state one, but, uh, 2017 one was pretty good too. Uh, that's, that's the one I have here. Ohio state ended up winning 27, 21, and I remember Wisconsin making it pretty interesting. Uh, I remember Andrew Van Ginkle had a scoop and score like right in front of me on the sideline. Um, and we were probably on the 10 yard line that made it interesting. And Wisconsin, I know threatened at the end, they needed a stop that I believe they ultimately couldn't get. Uh, I think Ohio state kicked a late field goal in that one. All these games run together, to be honest, when I'm trying to piece the memories together, cause it's Ohio state, Wisconsin, Ohio state, Wisconsin, Ohio state, Northwestern. Um, so I've been to three of the last five and, uh, yeah, this one I think was probably the best of the big 10 championships I, I had, I went to, and, um, I figured I should probably get one of those in there. Cause it's, it's one of the more important football games I've been to, uh, in college sports. So I, I don't know if you have any memories of that one. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, 
I want to say that was also the game where they had a delay because it was a Turkish. Yeah, I think that was I think that was Turf Monster game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was I, also I should have mentioned that. That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome because I remember the defense support that the Turf guy was getting as he uh, put the field back together there. Um, the, the, you know, the Big Ten Championship game, I know it, it hasn't been around that long. You know, we're coming up on 10 years on it now, uh, I guess 11 now. But um, it's been a lot of really, really good games. Uh, a lot of great finishes, underdogs hanging around a lot longer than you would think. Some of them even winning outright. Um, and it's been fun getting able to go, you know, and just kind of take it all in. Like you said, even though you're going for work, you still kind of remind yourself like, hey, this is a, you know, this is a great moment. You shouldn't lose sight of that moment. Kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. Like I said, attending and seeing the turf thing happen in, in person. I uh, should have mentioned that off the top. I kind of forgot which year that was, but a lot of pressure on that guy to get that done. It's one of those things, right? Like if you're trying to get the basketball uh, loose when it's stuck somewhere or mop the floor when somebody just slipped or something where like a lot of rides on you, I think this is probably the most pressure filled situation I've seen because this guy literally has to do something that he probably can take his time on normally. Uh, probably in a, in a situation didn't expect to be thrown into and yeah, the comedic value to it. And it was just pretty, uh, overall hilarious. So, um, definitely that, that's a, uh, good point. And like to your point about, um, conference championship games, I feel like that's always a topic that's brought up when people who are arguing against expanding the college football playoff are like, well, the conference championships won't mean anything, which, you know, first of all, we don't know because the format could include conference champions, but you're telling me that a major game, probably in a neutral city, where two great teams are playing that people aren't going to get fired up about that and watch. They're going to watch. Like, even if it doesn't have like a play in uh, round of stakes baked into it, like it's just a fun kind of unique experience that people look forward to every year. So I don't buy it that those will be rendered meaningless if the football playoff expands. No, I agree. And I, and, you know, to the point I was making earlier, like we've seen upsets happen in that game. Um, we've seen teams needing to win to get into the playoff. You know, that happened in 2014. Ohio State was an outside looking in before they put, you know, 59 on Wisconsin to get in. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, Michigan State, Iowa in a winner take all situation for the championship and the playoff. So, yeah, to say that it would be meaningless, I don't agree at all. All right. Uh, number one, what is your best Big Ten football game you've been to? Uh, it's actually the first uh, that I've been to as an employee at Big Ten Network, which is the 2013 Big Ten Championship game. Um, it was Michigan State, Ohio State. And, you know, that was, you know, both teams were undefeated uh, in conference. You know, Michigan State had one loss overall. Ohio State was uh, was undefeated, number two in the country. If they win, they go to the playoff. Um, and, you know, I think Michigan State could have gone to the Rose Bowl even with the loss. Uh, because of how things shook out, but it was one of those where, you know, you got a chance to submit it. You want to see the players with the roses. Like I remember, you know, seeing Wisconsin do that two years prior, and you know, it was a sickening feeling as a Michigan State fan at the time. Um, and when you know they they start out seventeen nothing, you're like, whoa, like they're up seventeen nothing Ohio State, like let's go. And then Ohio State comes all the way back, scores twenty four straight. And you're like, man, like hopefully they can win. But even if they don't, like you got to at least keep it close so the Rose Bowl still in play. 
admin, you know, they kind of write the ship and, you know, Langford splits the safeties at the end to salt it away. I'm on the Michigan State sideline, kind of getting ready for the post-game show. And, you know, as uh, as our producer would say, like, school was out when they got the fourth down stop. And you just saw, like, all the hugs, all the tears, the, the fans behind, uh, and all the Michigan State fans that were behind us. Like, you know, it was, like, pure nirvana, pretty much. And I remember just that feeling of being able to, like, to call family, like, hey, we finally got it done all that kind of stuff like it was, it was an awesome awesome feeling um definitely got spoiled considering that was my first one <laughs> you know kind of hard to top that uh but yeah I'll, I'll remember that game forever i'd be very very hard pressed to find something and knock it out of that spot yeah sounds like a an experience that a lot of us you know big 10 fans who uh don't root for ohio state or some of the powerhouses uh like michigan state was in the 2010s uh, something that, you know, we all kind of dream of, of doing. Uh, I don't, my number one is not uh, nearly as a, or there's no emotional attachment to it really. And, on, and it's a big 10 loss. So it's not even uh, one that, you know, anyone listening will really look fondly on outside of the fact that it was a great game. And it was probably the best college football game I've been to. Uh, definitely the most high profile game I've been to. It's 2019 Fiesta Bowl. Uh, technically it might be called the 2020 Fiesta Bowl, but it happened late 2019 and the 2019 season. Clemson beats Ohio State 29 to 23. Um, that, of course, was the game that, um, you know, Ohio State avenged last year when they uh, kicked the snot out of, out of Clemson in New Orleans. But the first time around, um, well, not the first time, but the, uh, the 2019 edition was just an awesome, awesome game. It was electric. They, uh, the Buckeyes jumped out to a, a lead that looked like it would be insurmountable. Not that it was, you know, that many points, but they just looked kind of unstoppable and had looked, you know, pretty invincible most of the year. So there were some moments that we've talked about on the show and Ohio state fans will, will talk about. And uh, you know, people remember whether it was the, uh, I believe Sean Wade overturn call JK Dobbins getting tripped up, uh, you know, on the way to, I think would have been a three score lead uh, three touchdown lead and just moments that right when it looked like Ohio state was going to run away with it. Uh, Clemson was able to claw back. It was a, thrilling finish i remember we went down from our seats up top down on the field and uh fields through an interception i believe to, to seal it for clemson but it was just a thrilling game uh first postseason bowl game i've ever been to uh so it was a, a great just memory to kind of be there and see the, the pop and circumstance surrounding a, a game of that magnitude yeah i mean i still think that's the best uh big 10 team i've seen since i've been at the network uh, they had everything on both sides of the ball. Um, in addition to the Sean Wade overturn, it was the fumble return for a touchdown. It also got overturned. Um, right. Yeah, I, I conflate the two. Like both, both of those things. I mean, again, Ohio State probably could have put the game away long before that. Like you mentioned, you know, Dobbins getting tripped up, and I think he dropped the touchdown in that same drive and had to settle for three and stuff yep. like that. Uh, but even with that, like that game should have – been Ohio State's and I, I wanted to see like Joe Burrow against his former team like Ohio State had studs all in the secondary to go up against those LSU receivers I really feel like Ohio State was the best team in the country that year so unfortunately we'll never be able to see that matchup uh but that's a yeah I wish I could have been there that was a great game to see yeah Ohio State LSU would have been sick and it would have been in New it was in New Orleans so yep. that would have been just an insane type of experience and uh you know like you said, we'll never know, but it was a, still a great game nonetheless. 
H, let's shift it over to hoops now. Um, you know, impressive list, I got to say. If there was a competition going on here, you, you would have won. I think we knew going in that would be the case, but it's okay. Uh, I think I have some decent ones for for hoops, but I'm sure you'll have some Michigan State ones that will rival it because uh, they've also been extremely successful in the hardwood. So uh, let's get into it. Um, I will, I'll start off this time, number five. Um, I'm going back to 2005. This is the farthest back I'm going to go, uh, and it is when Illinois – beat Wake Forest, uh, blew out Wake Forest. It's the only non-close game in my list, but uh, I had to include it just because of the talent that was on the floor that night. Obviously, Illinois had a great team, um, number one most of the year, with Darren Williams, D. Brown, Luther Head and those guys, and then Wake Forest had Chris Paul that year. So a guy, you know, who's still playing at an extremely high level, it's hard to believe because I can you know, barely remember what happened in the game, and, and Chris Paul's just been elite for so long that um, got to appreciate the greatness there. But that was a game that was highly anticipated. Illinois fans kind of knew they had their best team in a long time. And, and maybe uh, was, they were surmising that the team was a potentially number one caliber team, but it didn't really uh, become official until they beat Chris Paul and Wake Forest. And, and really it wasn't even a close game. I think they're up 30. A lot of the game uh, Wake Forest closed it to within 20, just like in garbage time, but, just a cool experience. It was, it felt like you were the Duke or the North Carolina or the center of the college basketball universe because people were camping out for the game. Uh, it was one of those orange out crowds. And, um, you know, like I said, just kind of the arrival of Illinois basketball from what had been a really good program in that time to a, an elite program that was a national title contender. Yeah. I, I remember watching that game and thinking like, Oh, okay. Like these dudes are for real like this, like they look like the best team in the country. And I knew Michigan State was, you know, a really good team that year. And I knew Wisconsin would be good. And, you know, you're always thinking about Big Ten uh, championship and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, I don't know if we can beat these dudes. Like, they look legit. And I remember I was a student and they came to Breslin, you know, top 10 matchup, the whole thing. Illinois number one at the time. And I mean, Michigan State played really well. Like, they shot the ball really, really well and lost by 12. And I was like, you know what? They're just that good. Like D Brown and Darren Williams and Luther Hill, like they couldn't miss. Like they were just a machine offensively. And like, you know, I'm talking to my buddies there and I'm just like, dude, like we're not playing bad. Like they're just that good. <laughs> like, and you saw like they got all the way to the title game, you know, bad calls against James Augustine kind of took them out of their game plan. But uh, that, that basketball team, they were unbelievable. Yeah. I remember that Michigan state game as well, for sure. Um, and, and, just kind of the, the satisfaction of some of those games when they were highly anticipated and, and Illinois, you know, would go in and either not struggle or just overwhelm at the end uh, teams. Like you mentioned that Michigan state game. I remember Wisconsin was, was highly ranked with Alondo Tucker that year and they just didn't Jack have enough. Ingram game. What's that? Jack Ingram game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good memory. Jack Ingram was a, uh, was one of my favorite players for sure. You know, six man of the year, but uh, uh, that's, that's, that's my number five. Um, don't have any other 05 Illinois memories on there. Cause I didn't go to like the Arizona comeback. Uh, I did go to both final four games, but like the semifinal wasn't that exciting. And then uh, the final is not one that I like to relive. Uh, so I, I'm tossing it over to you for number five age. Uh, so I'm kind of to, to cheat the list a little bit. Um, I'm going to go to 2018 big 10 tournament uh, just as a whole in New York. Um, There's a lot of questions about whether it was going to work you know, moving it out to New York, playing it a week early, 
uh, you know, kind of getting away from your base. It was the second straight year. You see one wasn't well received. It wasn't as packed. Um, but the New York one was outstanding. I mean, you had a ton of great games, a ton of good storylines. You know, Rutgers getting to the quarters as the 14 seed and having that place jumping. You know, I remember, uh, you know, Tony Carr going crazy against Ohio State, and they upset them. And, you know, I remember the Michigan-Michigan State Saturday, like all the energy in that building, all the juice in that building, uh, especially early when it looked like Nick Ward and, and Charles Matthews were going to get into it. And it, it felt like a heavyweight fight. And even though Michigan won the game, like I still just remember the energy of, of that game and that tournament. And I'm thinking like, man, they did a really good job. It just really, really worked. Um, that's probably the best like overall tournament experience I've had. Yeah, glad you mentioned that because I didn't have any games for that tournament on my list, but like you kind of alluded to, if we were ranking events, I would definitely have it on there. And, and it's totally a fair game. I think because like I couldn't pick one particular game because there were a few like really good, almost evenly matched games. And the experience overall was so much fun. Like if I had to pick any experience at BTN that I've, I've gone to, I'd probably pick that week. It was awesome. Um, and can definitely second what you said about the energy in Madison Square Garden. Um, it was cool to have, like you said, MSU, Michigan, uh, huge alumni bases in New York City, kind of squaring off there. Uh, I remember like the near fights. It was it was awesome. So um, yeah, glad you brought that tournament up because it, it was great. And I thought about if the game would have been a little closer. There's another one there, uh, Michigan Rutgers, which uh, obviously two more large alumni bases squaring off in MSG. That was just like another heavyweight fight. It was a Saturday afternoon uh, game didn't end up being that close, but it was just a, a really cool experience. So glad you had that one in there. I had another um, big 10 tournament game between Michigan state and um, Michigan for my number four. Uh, it's the 2019 big 10 tournament final. Uh, that was at United center in Chicago. It was the last big 10 tournament game before COVID. Uh, well, the last attend- uh, one that was beyond the Wednesday night. So uh, that one was, was electric, as I'm sure you remember. I remember, I think, coming up to you right before the end of the game as Michigan State was trying to close it out. So just another uh, fun memory. And I have been to some really good Big Ten tournament games, but that one definitely is close to the top of the list. Yeah, that's actually my number four as well. Uh, there we go. <laughs> so I got some synergy there. Uh, I know for me, it was – you know, it was a, kind of a similar theme in, in all three games that they played that year. Uh, you know, they're pretty evenly matched. So the fact that Michigan State was able to win all three was pretty crazy. But, uh, you know, usually Michigan getting out to, you know, a pretty sizable lead. Cash was kind of going crazy in the second half. Um, I remember just like the, the Kyle Arns injury and like how everybody yeah. like went dead silent as that happened. Um, and I think that kind of galvanized Matt McQuay because he had the game of his life. Um, and I remember Cash just getting that layup over Teskey late, and I'm like, I don't know how he made that. It's literally coming, like, right at me because I'm sitting underneath the basket. And I'm thinking, you know, if they can get a stop here, like, they go 3-0 and against Michigan and, like, sweep the Big Ten and the Big Ten tournament title, like, that would be a pretty awesome, nice feather in the cap. So um, I think that's probably the best title game I've been to in person because I didn't get to see the Wisconsin-Michigan State 2015 in person. Uh, so that would probably be the best one I've seen up close. Yeah, I remember after that game, I uh, was on the court and tweeted a picture of Stephen Izzo, uh, who I think he was pretty emotional. And I didn't know who he, what he looked like or who he was. He wasn't on the team yet. 
I tweeted it and people were like, how could you not know that Stephen Izzo, uh, you know, that's Izzo's son. And I'm like, I, sorry, I don't, I just didn't know. Like that's right. Exactly. So, um, you know, you, you mentioned a, a great big 10 tournament final game. The 15 one was great. I wasn't there. I, I went to some of those games. I went to the semifinal. I believe it was Michigan state, Ohio state back in 15 at United center. But uh, one that was another, you know, final that I think people will look back on as being really, really exciting. And, especially because a lot of people more than usual saw it because they tuned in for selection Sunday a couple months ago and the game was still going on. Uh, that's my number three. It's Illinois and Ohio state over in Indy at Lucas oil stadium. Um, a lot of elements that, that went into this one, Illinois getting back to uh, prominence, right? Like they had had a great year, but this is kind of the first tangible thing they had won where they could cut the nets down and celebrate um, with the fans who were back in the building for the first time uh, that weekend in uh the pandemic era and you know just hearing fans react to everything that happened that weekend was just kind of refreshing it was the first time that you really had had uh experienced that in over a year so just the culmination of a lot of things it was a great game like ohio state had an incredible comeback to make that a game again after going down big early on Dwayne washington was an absolute dog out there i mean he he was a terrifying player uh somebody who you know, would could fill it up when from any distance really. And it was one of those guys where it's just like, uh, do whatever you can to kind of keep the ball away from him if you're Illinois, because because the dude is gonna pull up and and probably make you pay. So a lot of great players on the floor. Um, I thought, you know, maybe Iodosumu was gonna have one of his moments. And to be honest, he never really looked the same after missing those late shots against Ohio State to to um try and win that game. He missed a few in a row and then kind of never had that swagger again in an Illinois uniform. So that was unfortunate uh, for his, you know, just kind of aura that was was shattered a little bit in that game. But teammates picked him up. Uh, some just overall great basketball that was played, and and two great teams. I think probably really respected each other toward the end of the year because they played three times and had three mostly close games, um, and and you know played pretty evenly matched throughout. So just an overall really fun experience there. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to watch uh, from TV. Uh, so I can only imagine what it was like there, even though the fan uh, experience was limited, they actually had fans. So going over a year without it and then getting it, I'm sure, you know, 500 felt like 5,000, 15,000 even. So um, that, that was a lot of fun to watch. It's terrible as a researcher trying to do a game like that because you're like getting all your Illinois stuff ready. Then Ohio State comes back and then you're like, okay, I got to get it. Ohio State stuff ready just in case. And then you're like, okay, well, now it's going to overtime. So now I got to worry about the tournament selection stuff. It's like everything's going on at once. And so even though the game is awesome, you're still kind of like, I still need to look up stuff over here or I need to see what's going on. And you're kind of just listening for stuff in the background instead of like intently watching it. But yeah, that was that game was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think they let in uh, eight thousand for those games, and it was had to be ninety five percent Illinois fans, and it was it was you know selfishly fun because like family was there, friends were there, people from college, people from hometown, like you run into people after the game, so that was a good time. And also selfishly, like because there was not that much media allowed in, um, we had this kind of set behind one of the baskets to ourselves, and it was a you know multi hundred square foot set and it had been kind of cleared out because CBS was calling the game and our set wasn't there anymore. So me and one other person basically had this whole area to ourselves unimpeded could see, awesome. right. It, it, you know, like you can't get a better seat in a football stadium than that. So 
just something that'll probably never happen again. I'm glad it won't happen again with, with, you know, I want people shoulder to shoulder in there, but it was making the best of that situation. So that was fun. Um, yeah. All right. What do you got? Number three. Uh, so I'm actually going to go back to pre-student uh, for me. Uh, it's the 2000 Midwest Regional. Um, it was in Auburn Hills in Michigan. Uh, this is Michigan State trying to get back to the Final Four after losing the year after using, losing the year before the Duke. And, you know, they're playing Syracuse, they're playing Iowa State. And, I mean, I, I believe to this day they don't win the national title if that region is played anywhere else. Uh, I, I fully believe the fans were the biggest reason that they were able to overcome just because, again, the energy in the building. Um, that's probably 90% Michigan State fans, I would think. And they're down big with Syracuse, I mean, not 14, I think, at one point in the second half. And it got to a point where the the crowd just kind of overwhelmed Syracuse in a way. Like, once Michigan State got going, like, you know, they showed the title medal and, like, wound up winning by 17. And then two days later, playing Iowa State, Marcus Pfizer, you know, Jamal Tinsley, and, you know, those are probably the two best teams in the country that year uh, once Kenny Martin got hurt. And so, you know, they're going back and forth. Iowa State has a lead. And again, like the crowd kind of gets Michigan State back in it. They go on a crazy run to end it. Uh, the alley for Mateen Cleaves, but Morris Peterson out of the timeout puts them up three late. And I mean, this place goes absolutely berserk. Like one of the loudest like moments I could ever remember. And it was kind of like at that moment where I was like, yeah, I need to like sign up for this and like be a student here for sure. Like I pretty much knew I was going to go there, but then like, you know, going to that with my dad and like celebrating and watching them cut down the nets and say we're going to win a national championship and all that stuff and wish they wanted to do it a week later. Like that, that was awesome stuff. Yeah. You, you kind of put me in the moment there. It sounds, uh, sounds like a, you know, like you talked about with football, kind of every uh, college sports fans dream and, and one of those uh, moments that shapes, you know, like you said, it shaped where you were eventually going to go to school, even if that was already maybe in the cards, it uh, just cemented that. So that's, that's a cool experience for sure. Um, I am going to, I'm actually curious if you were at this game for number two that I have on my list, because uh, I don't think you're at the network yet. So probably not, but it's 2010. When did you start? 20, what's it? 13. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier when with uh, MSU's first year, so you wouldn't have been at this at least for um, ETN, maybe for ESPN. I don't know, but anyway, it's a very uh, memorable game that that we show on our air uh, quite a bit. It's the Big Ten tournament, Ohio State, Michigan, Evan Turner shot game. Just being there. Um, yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's a, that's a good. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't remember much about the game. I don't even know if I was there for the whole game because we, as a, uh, me and my, I think dad and grandpa, maybe my brother, we went uh, to get there early for, I think Illinois played after them. We were sitting right behind Evan Turner's family and can't remember how uh, long or how deep into the game we arrived, but uh, I think Manny Harris had a, a big play late. And then um, that was the, the Stu Douglas and Zach Novak Michigan team and uh, Evan Turner just ripped their, their soul out with that 40 footer. So uh, just being there for that was cool. Having to sit right behind Evan Turner's family was cool. And uh, you know, it's something that you see the replay of once in a while and like, Oh yeah, I was there. So. Yeah. That's an awesome moment to be at. Yeah. I haven't been at a buzzer beater uh, in person 
So that would definitely be an awesome one to get to. I want to say I was in Charlotte actually uh, helping out with ESPNU like championship week coverage. Um, and so I remember just kind of watching on TV, like, oh man, like Michigan's actually going to win this game. It's going to be crazy. And then he hits that, like the newsroom down there goes crazy. It's like, wow. Like, and, it, and it showed that, you know, he was the player of the year for a reason. And, you know, he acted like he had been there before. <laughs> I don't know how you can act like that after hitting a half court shot to beat your rival in a tournament. But, you know, he, he was that cool, that calm, that collected all year. And he's, you know, there's a reason why he was national player of the year and they won as much as they did. Yeah, another one that didn't quite make the cut, but uh, was that for the Big Ten tournament? The uh, the Cam Chapman shot? Yeah. Yeah, I, that was a good one too. And that was another close to buzzer beater that, that I was at, but um, did not make the list. But fun nonetheless. Same building too in Indy. So mm-hmm. um, what do you got for number two? Uh, number two for me is the 2009 Final Four uh, against UConn. Uh, just that particular game. So the other two games were absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Final over in Carolina, Michigan State. Um, but the UConn game was one of those where, you know, trying to find parking was ridiculous to begin with. It's the first time I can remember as a Michigan State fan, like the city being green. Because growing up here, it is a very amazing blue area. Um, and so seeing like everything downtown be Michigan State was kind of surreal. Um, finally got in the building. The UConn kind of had a lead for a little while. Uh, they start to, you know, Michigan State starts to come back, starts to pull away a little bit in the second half. And I remember the Darrell Summers dunk over Stanley Robinson. And, you know, I didn't know it at the time because I'm there, but I remember like everybody's jumping around. It was just super, super loud. And when I go home and watch it on TV, like Jim Nance is like, if Ford feels literally shaking, it's like, yeah, like it felt like it when I was there. And so again, for me, when I'm at a live event, I always remember like the energy more than anything else. And so like when that happened and, you know, that place goes crazy. Like I definitely remember that. And the the final moment I want to say Izzo drew up a play out of the timeout late and led to like a dunk or a layup or something. And I was kind of close to the Michigan State bench, but obviously, like, rose rose up. But I remember, like, the play worked, and it kind of extended the lead, and he dropped his clipboard down like a boss, like, yep, got that one. And so, like, I, I remember those two. I was like, okay, now what do I do? Like, it's 8 o'clock, and it was weird because everybody left for the Carolina Villanova game. It felt like the noon Thursday first round, like, barely anybody there because everybody just went to go celebrate. I stayed for about a half and saw the game go that in and I was like, all right, well, whatever. So, uh, yeah, that game was awesome. Yeah, CBS Sports did a, uh, had a tweet this week, one of those kind of topical tweets that they try and get uh, people to respond or you know, quote tweet it with their answers. And this one was, what was what's like the best we're going to win moment you can remember? And it sounds like you had a couple there. Um, and it, it's one of those, you know, unique Feelings in sports when you, you kind of realize that your team's got it, even if you you know don't fully believe it. Um, so yeah, I don't have a game, a Final Four game on there, uh, but I do remember when I realized that Illinois was going to beat Louisville in the the national semifinal, the Final Four, and it was weird because Louisville um, they weren't down that much; they were down maybe twelve with three minutes left or a few minutes left, um, and they they did didn't foul. They just, Patino called off the dogs, and you realize all right, they're going to win, and and similar to what you said about Spartan fans, like 
Um, Illinois fans kind of took over St. Louis and, and they traveled really well, uh, you know, as they do when, when their teams are, are good, like some people, uh, don't believe me when I say like, you know, if, if they ever get to Indy for football, like it'll, it'll be 70 or 80% Illinois fans. Uh, and then that's how it was for basketball, except even more, you know, lopsided, uh, in that, that tournament final, but that's always fun to see, especially when you, you kind of know that your team is going to, uh, going to get the job done. Um, and I know you said you had not had a, uh, buzzer beater, on there yet but uh my number one is also a buzzer beater so two in a row uh and it's the 2013 uh illinois win over number one indiana you're smiling like you knew that i, I might have that on there right. right um and you know that that season was, uh, was an interesting one uh, john gross's first year i uh, was also my first year as a college student so kind of rode the roller coaster with that team and they had some really big early season wins they beat a, a great gonzaga team uh, won the Maui Invitational as well. And then they really fell off hard until this Indiana game kind of brought them back and they ended up finishing the season in decent fashion. Uh, but this is the one that I thought was maybe like the start of a uh, cool four years and really ended up being the peak. Um, the, they didn't go back to the tournament after that while I was in school, but at least at the very least, I got a moment where you, you beat a number one team, you have a buzzer beater, you storm the court. It's kind of all the ingredients of the college sports experience you hope for when you go to a big 10 school. So had to have that on there. Um, you know, can remember the last few plays. Um, remember Victor Oladipo blocking what would have been the game winning layup to give them 0.8 seconds or whatever it was. And then Tyler Griffey ended up beating that number one, Indiana team. Um, you know, probably the second biggest disappointment for that Indiana team outside of uh, failing to crack that Syracuse zone that year. So in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament. So that one uh, had to be number one for me just because of all the, kind of, you know, things that you won't be able to recapture that, that culminated in that experience. Like I'm never rushing a college basketball court again. Uh, we'll probably see very few number one teams go down to the buzzer. Like it's just something that is unique. So I had to have it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have been shocked uh, if you didn't. The only thing would have been if you weren't actually there, then I could see it. But um, yeah, I definitely figured that that was a game that was high on a lot of Illinois fans' list. Um, and that Indiana team was loaded. I mean, you mentioned they were number one. Um, you know, that was a loaded Big Ten in general, and they won it outright. But it showed the depth of the league that, you know, Illinois can go and do that. And you know, I still think, you know, when you mentioned the peak, like I remember Illinois, they should have beat Miami in the tournament that year. And who knows what happens after that. Uh, but, you know, felt a little short. Yeah, that team, that team was a lot of fun. You know, Brandon Paul, I remember him hitting a uh, big shot in the Big Ten tournament at the buzzer that year. Uh, so, you know, that, that Illinois team was really good. Yeah, great Big Ten year, um, like you said. And it was before I, like, really did anything in media, seriously. Uh, it was, I was a freshman, so it's, like, one of those last kind of, like, you know, pure fan things because, like, I was working the games and writing about basketball and everything later on. But, um, you know, you kind of have no worries when you're a college student like that. So, I remember, you know, that was the only time also like after the game on campus, it was a Thursday night, everyone was out and in good spirits and all that. And, and it's it, the only time I saw anything like that was like on Instagram this year after they beat Ohio State, they were storming uh, like the the main street, like like they had won or like they were going to the final four. And and <laughs> on one hand, I'm glad they got that experience because they they did fall short in the actual tournament and, and didn't get to have like a moment of celebration. So like just that college student, experience like you referenced being in the the stands the pandemonium you reference is something that uh, i'm gonna be glad to see back in the stands this fall yeah no doubt about it uh, again the, the fan energy is something that, 
you know, I think I wound up missing more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll definitely be glad when that's back. Yeah, college football, I think, suffered the most, no question, out of all the sports. But um, anyway, don't want to delay uh, you know, the reveal here for you. What's your number one basketball? Um, I'm actually going 2015 Final Four for mul- for two reasons. Uh, well, actually, I guess multiple. But um, the first being, you know, it was a rare time where, like, Michigan State got there and it shouldn't have. You know, that was a team that was a seven seed. And you got, you know, the loaded dude, the loaded Kentucky, loaded Wisconsin. And it's like, oh, 17 Michigan State got there. That's weird. Uh, but, you know, just from a, a personal level, it was the first time I had actually gone as a media member. Um, I usually try to, to find a way to get there uh, if Michigan State is there. But it was the first time I actually got to go like as a media member. So that was cool. Um, and, you know, this, the, that, that team will always have an emotional attachment for me because, you know, I remember they were really struggling around the time that my dad was struggling with his health. And, like, you know, like, after he passed, they, like, went on this run and got to the final four. So, like, that all that team will always stay with me, like, no matter what. They'll probably be my favorite Michigan State team, no matter what. Um, so just seeing them there and, like, you know, seeing the JW Marriott with, like, the big the big picture of them and the big picture of Travis Trice and all that was cool. And then – seeing you know the heavyweight fight that everybody wanted to see wisconsin kentucky you know after what happened here before uh wisconsin was clearly better than them but lost on a you know big shot late and wisconsin most people thought was the only team that could beat kentucky and you know sam decker hits the shot as we talked about at the top of the show and you could just see the kentucky players like they weren't ready for for the loss, like the, you know, the multiple shot clock violations. And I remember the Wisconsin crowd going crazy and jump around being played at obscene levels in the stadium. And the Kentucky fans just looking so confused as to what happened. And I remember leaving the arena and I mean, it's just droves of Kentucky fans just getting out of town, just getting out of the city, like not staying the heck with this or out of here. And I remember Monday night sounded like Camp Randall. It really did. And um, I thought they win, uh, but, you know, some officiating here and there. And, you know, Tyus Jones took over late. But, uh, you know, seeing seeing a momentous occasion, a momentous occasion with, uh, you know, an undefeated team going down, you know, seeing, you know, a huge upset like that and then seeing two one seeds go at it for a title. We haven't seen that as much recently. So, you know, being able to be there in person for all that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, another, you know, memory of two big 10 teams in the final four. I still remember like vividly when uh, after Illinois beat Louisville, Michigan state played North Carolina and, and Illinois fans throughout that evening were, you know, chanting, go green, go white. They were given the ILL I and I back and just, you know, you remember those things and, and that's uh, fun to have two teams in the final four, obviously. Um, all right. H, that was really fun. Uh, you know, I, as I expected, like you memories come out and we had some really good extended conversations real quick. Uh, I did, you know, we did talk about having some miscellaneous things on our list. Uh, I can run through my uh, top five miscellaneous sporting events that I, that I recalled going to. And I probably left some out, but like going back, like I, I didn't grow up going to a whole lot of pro games um, or a whole lot of like, I, I, I've been to I think one playoff game. And it was a Cubs one where they lost to the Rockies. Um, so, you know, like I talked to people who like grew up going to, um, 
you know, playoff games with their families or like went to the world series in 2016 with the Cubs. Like that was never really me. I was like strictly uh, college sports for the most part, but I did have some on here. Um, so one, actually you were at, uh, I thought the MN UFC game was really fun. The uh, MLS game we went to back in 2019, the bus tour. I thought you might appreciate that. I was fun. I had a lot of, a lot of fun with that. Yeah. I don't think I've been to another soccer game besides that, but uh, it was sold out. It was in St. Paul. Uh, we had a day off while we were visiting Minneapolis and Minnesota uh, football, but uh, we went to the soccer game and, and I think, I don't even know who won, but I think uh, Minnesota scored late and it was just one of those things where you could tell the culture had been established there. It's a fun experience. Even if you don't like, or don't understand soccer, I'm, I, I do like soccer uh, in doses and, and I'm getting more into it. And a game like that also like helps me expand my fandom for sure. Cause it was a blast and like the, the crowd had their choreographed chance and you can tell they took it seriously. And it's an experience I hope they can kind of cultivate here with the Chicago fire because uh, them out in the suburbs, uh, I know it's been hard to get a lot of traction, but moving to soldier field could help that. And just having, you know, a short uh, light rail ride away out there in St. Paul, I think was a really easy, fun experience for us. And we just kind of got to take it all in. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's funny you did have that game on there. I didn't, but uh, I could see why you put it on there. Um, and I think it helped. Like, it was a new stadium. It was small. So it, it was got an intimate setting. Um, so it was easy to kind of get wrapped up in, like, you know, the pageantry and, you know, the, the, the chanting. And, you know, it was a really cool experience for, like, my first, like, soccer game. Yeah, I really want to go to, like, a Premier League game or some sort of big international soccer game. Um, sure, I'll have to open my wallet quite a bit for that, but... <laughs> Uh, all right, real quick. The other ones I had, uh, 2019 Auburn, Virginia final four, quick, funny story. This one, um, I was behind the Auburn student section and I, I believe it was Kyle guy or whoever it was that got fouled. Um, everyone thought that, uh, the game was over and that Auburn had won, including the Auburn student section. So there's a kid down on the floor who turns around yelling, celebrating and dumps his entire beer on his head. Uh, and then gets thrown out of the of uh, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota um, for for doing that. And not only did he not realize that the game was not over and that Virginia was about to win, uh, he had to you know take the walk of shame out of the building. So that was crazy. That was just like a crazy game, and nobody really knew in the football stadium what was going on uh, with that call. But it ended up being just a wild game. So um, and then of, of course your Spartans lost shortly after that yeah um it's funny when you talk about funny stories so I, I was there as a fan uh, me and my wife went I think it was her first final four so I know she had a lot of fun with that um I remember and, and it's funny because I, I remember the Auburn Virginia craziness and usually what I, I never stay for the title game if I'm a fan of Michigan State lost like I just I'd rather not be there and get all upset or whatever. So, you know what? Let me sell my ticket, get some of the money back. So, I've missed Illinois, North Carolina, Butler, Duke, and Texas Tech, Virginia. Like, three great classic-type games because I didn't want any part of that stadium knowing that Michigan State could have been there at least two of the times, maybe all of them. Uh, I just didn't want to deal with it deal with you know staying another night in the city and all that stuff get me out of here i'm out and so could have saw all three and those probably would have been on my list but instead i sold tickets for all three of them and 
So uh, it took me a little while to figure out what I wanted to put on here. Yeah, I still regret not staying as well for that uh, Virginia-Texas Tech game. I, I flew home on Monday and uh, watched on TV, and I was like, well, I probably should have hung around just like for the – I had the media pass. I might as well have stayed. Um, but, yeah, and then just a couple of random ones. This is, this one's kind of funny. Like, I haven't been to that many NFL games, but Bears-Steelers in 2017 was funny uh, and, and a great game. Bears beat a really good Steelers team. I think Steelers went like 13-3 and three that year. It was at what is known as the Mike Glennon game. So uh, early in the season – it was like a hundred degrees, but luckily we were in uh, one of the, the sky boxes and uh, somehow the bears led by Mike Glennon beat a really good Steelers team um, in a, in a really actually thrilling game. And then I've been to two walk-off grand slam games. Uh, Jason Hayward uh, had, had a walk-off granny against the Phillies in 2018. And it was my buddy's birthday who I was with. And he's like the biggest Cubs fan. I know only doesn't, doesn't watch any other sports besides Cubs baseball. So I knew it meant a lot to him. So I was glad to be there for that. And then uh, 2014, we had like a school trip, a college school uh, student trip to um, the Rays White Sox and Jose Abreu hit a walk off grand slam. So no, like no hitters, no uh, nothing crazy, but, but being at two walk off grand slams is uh, I'll take that 27 years in uh, still haven't caught a foul ball though. So that's another thing on my list. No, those are definitely some good moments, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the NFL one because I'm thinking, like, I hadn't really been in any Lions games, and I was like, oh, wait, I did. It was the 2011 Lions-Chargers game. I got tickets from a friend, and it was, like, when they had clinched a playoff where they killed the Chargers. Um, I think it was, like, a CBS game, and, like, I remember because, again, the Lions are, are bad, and they've been bad for so long. And it was a huge deal. They're like, oh, they clinched a playoff spot. And, like, people were, like, chanting, like, Playoff, play like you know, as teams who don't win a lot, like they have to find something to, this year for. So, like I remember just that place being crazy. They're like, oh, we're going to playoffs! Oh my God, this is so awesome. So I probably would have put that on my original list. I didn't have it, uh, but I'm glad you, you reminded me of that with your, with your football reference. Um, I was actually an usher uh, at Comerica Park when I was uh, in college. And so, like, I come home for the summers and stuff. And, of course, the year that I stopped being an usher is the year they surprised everybody and go to the World Series. But before that, the All-Star Game was in Detroit. And so I got to see the All-Star Game um, in 2005, which was really cool, and the Home Run Derby. Um, and for whatever reason, like, Pudge Rodriguez was in it and, like, went crazy and got to the final. I think that was the Bobby Abreu hit, like, a million home runs or whatever that year. And, but it was just, again, for me, the, the energy. And I remember, like, everybody was, like, going crazy to Pudge went on this run. And it's always fun when you, like, root for your hometown player uh, in a setting like that. So I had those two on there. And uh, probably the, the, the most painful one, for sure, is the 2005 NBA Finals Game 5. I uh, still don't know why they left Robert Ory open, um, but he hit the three. Um, we're probably three rows from the top. Now it's late to Sunday. Um, and me and my buddies win. It's like three of us total. And I remember we're sitting, we're just sitting there and we're like, I like, how'd that happen? Like, they win that game. They're probably going to split and go back to back. And like the ushers had to be like, dude, like you got to go. Like, you got to get out of here. And like, I just remember still like, being upset to this day that they could have won back to back and didn't like me because of that moment. But I remember the game like being super tense, super awesome. Um, and that was kind of 
the last like Pistons game I've been to, it might have been the last Pistons game uh, I went to of like any significance. Um, so that one stuck out for sure. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely memorable. And you reminded me with the conversation. I knew this would happen as we kind of talked that things would pop up. I've been to two All Star events in, in pro sports. Uh, worked the MLB All Star game in 2014 in Minnesota. A lot of a lot of Minneapolis sports memories on here um, for me, but. Uh, that was really cool. Just seeing an MLB all-star weekend, uh, got to go to all the events and, and we like did a school project and kind of worked it, um, to help MLB out. And then, uh, worked, uh, I could you know, put in quotes here, covered the NBA all-star game when it came to Chicago, uh, last year and went to the Saturday night festivities, like dunk contest three point and Friday night, the, uh, rising stars, which was cool to see like Zion and those guys, John Morant play, um, got, got to go for big 10 network and talk to, um, some guys like Duncan Robinson, uh, miles bridges, Jaron Jackson. So that was really cool. Now I look back on it, it should be up in my list, but, um, you know, just something to, that I'm glad was able to kind of intersect with our professional, professional lives, but, um, a lot of good memories on here. I don't know if you have anything else, but, uh, we went forever, but it felt like, you know, a, a blink because, I love reflecting on stuff like this, uh, humble bragging about where we've been, even though, you know, some of these aren't, aren't that impressive. Like some people I'm sure can throw their Super Bowl experience on there, whatever. Like these are, these are the ones that are sentimental to us and uh, had fun doing it. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, I think the, the only one that was missing uh, from my original list and, you know, shout out to my dad, I've been to a lot of Final Fours for whatever reason. Um, and I know a lot of people don't get to them, um, but, we were, we were at the 2003 National Championship game, uh, the Carmelo year. And I remember we drove from Detroit to New Orleans because we went with a lot you broke of up. You broke up for a second age. Wait, wait, just repeat the game. We had the rest of it. Uh, I was the 2003 National Championship, 2003 Final Four. So, gotcha. Uh, the Syracuse, Kansas, Carmelo mm-hmm. year. Um, for whatever reason, we drove. Uh, my dad got tickets through like buddies of his. And so we all went down there. I'm 19 at the time, so I can't really get into New Orleans stuff like I want to. But, uh, you know, I remember having like a Bloody Mary down there with him and stuff. And we we drove from Detroit to New Orleans for like 18 hours. Um, and it's in the Superdome. We're way up. But you kind of remember, you know, Carmelo going crazy and Jerry McNamara going crazy and the big Hakeem Ward block late. And it's kind of funny looking back because, you know, this was right around the time of, Man, who should be your number one pick? Should it be like, should it be LeBron or should it be Carmelo? Like, see Carmelo doing this thing, and you're like, I mean, this dude seems like he should be number one. And like, I remember like a bunch of people around us were saying it. And, you know, I think Syracuse had played Michigan State earlier that year uh, at Breslin, and, and he went crazy. And, and Syracuse won by like one or two or something like that. And I'm thinking, like, I mean, I can see Carmelo going one. Like, that, that would make sense. I mean, clearly, Cleveland made Big, but this is kind of funny. Like when you look back and kind of relive some of that stuff, you remember some of the conversations that that go on, and you're like, huh, "It's funny how that worked out." Yeah, awesome story, and you know, incredible game to to be at. I, I still remember vaguely blurry, you know, watching that that national championship. So, and a cool sentimental story with your, with your pops too. So, awesome stuff, H. Uh, really appreciate you sharing, you know, those memories, and hopefully people stuck with us throughout, and uh, you know, kind of reflect on on some of those. And their own personal memories so always fun to do this um appreciate you you jumping on and we'll think of something fun to talk about next time all right sounds good it's always fun to do this all right thanks once again to harold and olivia for joining the show really appreciate both of them in what was a 
very long episode, like I said, but hopefully it was fun to listen to. Uh, a lot of fun talking with both of them and, and sharing stories, experiences, and insights. Uh, thanks again to both of them. Thanks as always to our producer. Uh, I was going to say Julie Bronder, but she's out this week. So Wes White stitching the show together, filling in, pinch hitting. Thanks, Wes. And thanks again to everyone for, for listening. I want to remind listeners who are here for the first time or have not subscribed yet to please do so. Subscribe. We're available on major podcast platforms, your Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and we are on YouTube as well. You can see these interviews in their entirety on the Big Ten Network YouTube channel. Just search Take 10 Podcast. We have a playlist that you can follow once, uh, once you subscribe to that Big Ten Network YouTube channel. Can easily find us and the episodes that we'll be releasing um, here and going forward. So, thanks as always to everyone for listening. And as we continue to move through the summer, we'll continue to drop episodes. And we'll talk to you very soon here on the Take 10 Podcast. <laughs>